0: Gamers Roll. www.d20radio.com.
1: Broadcast live on D20 Radio's Justin TV channel, you're listening to the Order 66 podcast. Brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and Maps of Mastery.
2: Gamer Nation, GM Chris here, and for those who may be tuning in for the first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the OG original gangsta podcast, (laughs) entirely devoted to Star Wars role playing. And cutting me off, uh, par for the course, uh, is my buddy, pal, and good compadre.
1: Hey there, GM Dave here. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that guy. But not to be outdone, we have a triple threat tonight with the return of GM Phil, who hopefully is not too game hungover. Did you game again this weekend, man?
0: No, no. I, I Well, not tabletop. I mean, you know, Star Wars The Old Republic with the order of 66 abound, but uh, no, 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 no tabletop this weekend. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah.
2: I am marinating slowly. I have a glass of port. Ooh. My wife has gotten into port lately. I feel like a 19th century colonialist, you know? <laughs> yeah. You no, know, good. My 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 word. Give us another glass of pour. Bully.
3: Bully. Bully.
1: You need <laughs> to have a cigar,
2: <laughs> I would absolutely love that. I'll have to settle for my e cig. Go. Oh, it's so lovely.
1: I have some Cubans with uh, your name on them.
3: <laughs> I
2: know. I, I know. I know. I know. Uh well.
1: Turtles. Uh,
2: all right. In, enough wasting of the time, because guys, we. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. This is going to be a long show, if I'm not too terribly mistaken. Uh, it's
1: going to be a meat-packed.
2: Tis going to yeah, be... this is
0: this is going to be the deli of uh, the deli counter of our shows.
2: Dude, you might have a show title there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the NPC deli.
2: The N NP- oh the NPC deli. There's so much meat you can barely fit it inside a single episode. <laughs> oh man. Um... Uh, but yeah, good stuff, man. I mean, okay. So before we get started, though, I mean, any, I mean, so Phil, obviously, you had a gaming weekend. You're you're playing stuff. Dave, you're sitting on Cubans. Anything else exciting happening with you?
1: Uh, let me think about that. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why not, huh?
1: Uh, I spent my weekend pretty much um, well shipping out Kickstarter crap and doing um, putting in, and doing housework oh, okay. because our Christmas decorations finally got taken down.
2: <laughs> oh oh yes. uh eighteenth
1: of january
2: yeah that happened uh i think a week ago for us so that's yeah don't don't feel too bad yeah, um I, mean. I got to game last night i ran uh one of our kickstarter sessions um nice and uh will be very awesome i know i'll be actually be talking about it a little bit during the meet but um had a lot of fun so it was hey, donovan morning fire kick your ass <laughs> he did <laughs> he did Oh, he found a he found a dig too, man. It was like it was like this one was like, "Well, Chris, actually, I don't think that, that particular thing works that way." I'm like, "Really? Really?" <laughs> he was right. But, uh, you know, uh... <laughs> so A-Wings do have hyperdrives. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, man. Meet murp. Meet murp. All right, let's get to some announcements.
1: Hello there.
3: What have we here? Good news. Anadmin.
1: <laughs> Isn't that how you... Anadmin. Anadmin. What we got? I'm trying to be feral. Uh, let's see. Let's start off uh, with the feature podcast this week. As usual. That's French for usual. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we have... Uh, Well, definitely have to kind of point you in the direction of uh, uh, an ongoing live play episode, uh, which was absolutely epic, at the Gathering of Dorks podcast. This is episode 17. Jamie, Blaine, Chris, Will. You know, it's par for the course, but they are hilarious, and they are drunk, and they are (laughs) foul-mouthed. And yet highly informative as they play through D&D 5th Edition. Which, in this case, finishing up episode 3 of Horde of the Dairy Queen. I mean, I'm sorry, Dragon Queen.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so give it a listen. Especially if you're not curious or you're still on the fence about D&D 5th Edition. And of course you can find this many more great podcasts at www Dot d20radio.com
0: yes, uh, FFG News. Phil, we got some good stuff. We do, we do. Uh, they have officially announced the Force and Destiny Beginners game. Not really a surprise, but uh, this abridged rule set, which is incorporated into the included adventure, allows players to learn as they play through their adventures in the Force and Destiny game. With plenty of opportunities for combat, social encounters, clever thinking, moral conflict, and more, The adventure titled Mountaintop Rescue leads you through the fundamentals of Force and Destiny, even as you participate in this action-packed narrative. High up the snow-clad slopes of Mount Telek on the outer-rim planet of uh, Spinter... You and your allies must travel to the ancient temple and rescue the humble scholar Heathen Ramund, one of the few individuals still willing to share any knowledge of the fallen Jedi Order. All the while, the game's mechanics are introduced incrementally as part of the exciting game. Uh, the characters mentioned in the article speak of a human trained in the arts of defense, a mystic Zabrak mystic, which a mysterious Zabrak mystic, which just <laughs> sounds weird. An agile Togruta Seeker and a lightsaber-wielding Keldor able to move objects with the power of the Force. Ooh. The Force and Destiny Beginner's Game, in its beautiful black box, is due quarter to 2015.
1: Ooh, very cool. Very I am cool.
0: so looking forward to that because it gets me yet another set of dice.
1: <laughs> uh, I was going to say, more dice. <laughs>
0: Uh,
2: I was excited about the uh, Worlds of Iniquity uh, article that came out for Lords of Nalhudda. Um, yeah. yet, yet another one. i um, talking about Toydaria, Nar and Nalhudda specifically as the worlds that are in the forthcoming book. Um, StarWars.com says the book is due out on the, uh, the 29th of January. But those of us who are patiently waiting and have patiently waited for books in the past would probably should not expect this until February. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing with uh, with Stay on Target, saying that it was going to come out in November, but yeah. it, of course it didn't come out until just before Christmas. So yeah, yeah. So it it, it, it happens,
1: but
2: I cannot wait to get my hands on Lords and Um uh, You know,
1: Chris, remember this is oh what the hell? <clears throat> this is like the first thing we ever beta tested for them. Yeah, and it's like the last thing that ever gets published.
2: It it's <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah this things
1: on the shelf forever.
2: Yeah, it's been on the show for a very, very, very long time. So uh, it's kind of interesting, to say the least. But uh, good stuff.
0: Long development cycle, huh?
3: Very,
2: very long.
0: Just goes to show you folks that they're not just cranking out books.
2: <laughs> so, Juicy Bits of Web Goodness. Phil, you found something. Something good. Yes,
0: yes. I wanted to share this, especially hot on the heels of our recent discussion with Jason Marker from the last episode, which I am so ticked I missed. Oh, you guys listened. like, you had a blast with him. We did. It's fun. Uh, as a quick aside, as soon as he said the Sob Drakken, I was like screaming in my car because I listen when I commute. I freaking <laughs> love that jet. When I was like five years old, that was the first little metal miniature toy fighter I ever got. I freaking loved that thing. It's a beautiful fighter. Anyway. um but I wanted to give a shout-out to Gamer Nation's own GM Hooley for making a very handy Starship tracking sheet. This thing is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a sheet that any PC can use. It, it's beautifully scripted out where you've got space for stats, weapons, defensive zones with a nice little icon of like a Millennium Falcon with the various zones zone, uh, uh, divided out with boxes for what, how much defense you have and where, as well as charts for all the vehicle maneuvers and actions that you as the pilot can make. Uh, A very handy current speed track where you can just check off what speed your ship is moving at this point. In various different colors, and I still think that the 10 square should be plaid. Uh, It is all stylized like the dashboard of a starship. And it's even got neat rusted diamond plate behind the various monitors and screens. And it's really cool looking. Check it out on the Edge of the Empire section of the FFG's official forums. uh, The thread is called uh, Starship's Player Dashboard. And uh, maybe we can even get GM Hooli to link it off our forums, too.
2: Well, since he's in chat right now watching this episode live in Echo Base, Hooli, buddy, <laughs> let's get on that, huh? Get some cross-posting love, huh? huh? Damn
1: right. <laughs> he's, asking. he's asking nicely. Asking
2: very <laughs> nicely. We ask. Yes. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so weird. Wow. Oh, wow. All right, and with that, you can uh, always follow us on Facebook and Twitter, D20 Radio, and follow us on, actually, I just said Twitter, but <laughs> we are at GM Dave, at GM Chris, and our at uh, Darth Darth GM, yeah, yep. so uh, I think we're all linked together, so the at D20 Radio feed will... Retweet just about everything that we're tweeting, and uh, so.
2: Oh, Huli's in chat. He says, "I will link it immediately." So, yeah.
1: All right. So we'll be up there in the blink of an eye.
2: Done and done. All right, guys. Well, let's stop down for uh, precisely one minute to check in with our Star Wars adventure of the week. Sound good? That's Sounds great. great.
3: All
2: Welcome to Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures on Twitter this week. The popular automaton Holomag hires the PCs to test and review a new assassin droid. But they mistakenly sent a protocol droid instead. Or did they? This has been Star Wars Adventures of the Week, brought to you by SWRPG Adventures... For more adventure ideas in 140 characters or less, be sure to follow SWRPG Adventures on Twitter. And remember, keep adventuring!
1: (laughs) Good stuff. Every time I hear that, I think about, I just think about, I don't know what, those old 20 newsreels, 1920s newsreels or something, you know?
2: Well, that I think was that's the point. That's kind of the point.
1: That was just—I don't know. It's funny,
2: and the fact that you think that makes me it makes me happy. It means my production skills are honing. It makes me very happy, very pleased.
3: Me honing. Happy.
2: honing, honing. All right. Do you guys want to get to this extra long meat uh, with uh, maybe an, hey, with, a, with uh, uh, you know a jaunt into the deli counter?
0: Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> yeah.
2: Excuse me. Get them kovatier cova- in a fifth sandwich. Uh, all I right. know you guys are all about that D. And let's, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we should start. We should just start. Let's do it.
3: Let's start.
1: Baby.
2: Oh, I want the Zima! Make sure everybody has Zimas. <laughs> Make sure everybody has Zimas. And for those wondering, you need to head to the YouTubes and do a search for oral knots. That's A U R A L. Nauts Star Wars and see the amazing uh, redubs that they have done of episodes one through three. So uh, yeah, good stuff. (laughs) That's very long. I don't know that we'll continue to use that, but I had to use it at least once. (laughs) Uh. So tonight we are what? What what is this, guys? We are we are creating a cast of of thousands. We are we're diving into the deli, so to speak.
0: Yes. Um, Deli of NPCs, the, many the, varieties, many different flavors, many different tastes, yeah. for whatever you may need in your game. Yeah.
1: Plus the GM Carnegie for tonight.
0: Yeah, the,
2: oh. Yes, yes. And The thing is, like, as, as the years have so quickly passed since the release of this system, the, the, the Star Wars system from FFG is growing and, and growing in popularity. And devoted Star Wars players are contacting us with regularity. I mean, noting how their group is, in many cases, finally ready to make the switch to FFG. Um, I mean, Dave, you can attest D20 Radio Forum membership is growing and growing at a pretty astounding rate in just the past few months.
1: That we is.
2: Um, and, you know, lots of new listeners are really finding the podcast for the first time, and uh, as they're searching out things and resources for the system, they're looking for solid ways to help create new games, you know, in the first, for the first time they're playing. Yes. Now, one of the big parts of GMing is, of course, creating NPC threats for your PCs to face. Now, while the core books do outline the details of varied NPC types and other attributes, Their attributes and the books are filled with all these ready to go stat blocks for various threats. There is just a lot that's incumbent on the GM who wants to craft their own custom threats for their campaigns. And for this, there really are no hard and fast rules. Um, but this is where the Order 66 podcast comes in tonight. We are going to crack open the mysteries of the NPC stat block like a giant threat filled egg. And as we scramble up this information, we'll continue perhaps the strangest metaphor I've used yet in a meat intro, and we will craft an omelet of good gaming, sharing hints and tips and tricks, and a dash of our own experience to help you serve us, serve up a a deli breakfast of campaign excellence. So uh, grab your GM notebooks, your dice spatulas, and let's get cooking on some NPCs tonight on the Order 66
3: podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. All right. So, um, guys, before we get into this discussion, I kind of want to review the basics. I, I I think there's a few things that we have to understand and kind of refresh for listeners' minds before we really start digging into the details.
1: Um, I have a question. Yes. Can I add some feta to my omelet, please?
2: Maybe. Maybe. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Phil? Yes. Talk to me about some of the basics. I want to know what we need to know about the, the basic threat types before we really dig into building those threats.
0: All right. As outlined in pretty much every core rulebook that has been released yet and will be released soon, we've got three different types of NPCs, and anyone who's ran has, understands this. We've got minions, we've got rivals, and then we have nemesis. We're going to go over each of these three types and explain their unique qualities because they are different. They have they have different mechanics and they're used in different ways. After understanding these basic concepts and reminding ourselves of them, we're going to move on to actually putting them into practice by creating several NPCs live on the air. Ooh. Now, let's start off with the first one, minions. Chris's favorite part of the new NPC system is the concept of the minions, and i got to admit that I'm pretty... Uh, I find these guys pretty handy myself. Piddly, disposable threats who are deadly together, but can fall like flies before the onslaught of a good PC party. So, Stormtroopers. Yep. Now, qualities as far as minions go. Minions cannot suffer strain voluntarily or otherwise. Strain damage inflicted to them goes
2: straight to wounds. Now, this is important to note. People forget they can't even voluntarily
0: suffer strain going to their wounds to get an extra maneuver. Right. Period the only way they might be able to get a second maneuver is if they do an action and get to advantage and then they can get a free second maneuver.
2: Yes. Or maybe you have a nemesis with a talent that grants you one, but
3: we'll come to that.
0: Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Minions are killed by critical injuries. Meaning if you activate the crit of a weapon you use against a minion or minion group, you don't roll a minion just dies. Minions have no ranks in any skills which means no yellow dice on any of their pools, but minions have a secret quality. They can fight as a group, moving and acting as one. A group of minions upgrades every check they make by one for each minion present beyond the first in a group. So, for example, if you have a group of three minions and you have a specific skill like uh, piloting planetary. Three minions with piloting planetary and an agility of three means that they're rolling two yellows and one green die. Yep. Also, when they move as a group, they combine their hit points into a single pool. So, when you think of three or four minions together, that can be a pretty beefy opponent. Tis, tis.
2: So, that's minions. Dave, do you want to tell us the basics of rivals?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure, why not? You know, the rivals are kind of like... um, lieutenants, if you will, they're kind of between the, the big boss or, and, 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 of course, the minions, but this could be almost like a minion leader or mini-boss or under-boss or something like that. Somebody that packs a little bit more of a wallop than a single minion and acts like a normal RPG threat, but, of course, is still nowhere near as cool as the PCs are.
2: Phil, you've referred to rivals as mini-bosses before on the show. Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, there you go. Uh, they do act individually. They can have ranks and skills, but don't have any talents. They suffer critical injuries normally, but they also cannot suffer strain. Mm-hmm. Anything they suffer goes straight to the rival's runes. But, however, they can actually voluntarily suffer strain, but it still goes to wounds. So if they want to get an extra maneuver, they can suffer strain, but it still automatically goes to wounds.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: May I call an audible? Please. Sure. Rivals can most certainly have talents. Are you sure? I'm looking at two of them right now: the shipjacker and the slicer. Oh, we may have an error in
1: the show notes. Then well,
2: this uh, is important S- to know.
1: Smuggler. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah, you know what? He's right because. Twilight Black Marketeer. Yeah, he's right because I picked out a. Uh, I was using one as a guide to make my um, my uh, rival, and I gave him.
0: Yeah, of course they can because they can have adversary. Um, and that's kind of the whole point of the rival. They're a rival to the PC. Yeah, so it yeah. makes sense that they've got some of the tricks that the PCs can pull. Some of
2: them, yes. Um, uh, but not as many. Not as many. They're just like just subpar. No, that's an error in the show notes. Good catch, Phil. Thank you.
1: Good job, Phil. Way to go, man. Gosh, that's
2: why, the why man's you brought me on. Here. That's why the awesome. man's here.
1: <laughs> that's right.
2: Okay, yeah. so they don't have strain, um, but they can suffer it voluntarily and it goes to wounds. They take critical injuries normally. They can take talents. They have ranks and skills. Sure. Okay. This leaves us with the third option for NPCs to kind of review, which we all know and love, which is the nemesis. Yes. These are the big bads. That's all they are. These are the legitimate massive party threats. Um, They are identical to PCs in terms of the fact that they are supposed to be built the same way. Uh, They have skill ranks, talents, high characteristics, strain thresholds, um, and boss equipment. Um, Mm -hmm. Pun very very much intended. Um, You know, players beware. Um, That's right. uh, You know, I think there's some serious pitfalls you can do when you're making a Nemesis in terms of how much time you devote to it, but we will come to that appropriately. Um,
0: Um, Also, don't be afraid to have the Nemesis be bigger than the PCs, but we'll get to that.
2: Yeah, in fact, I think they should be. But um, oh yes. will we'll we'll definitely Both
1: arrival and my nemesis. We're going to get to are bigger than the PCs.
2: <laughs> but um, but <laughs> um, we don't mean silhouette size, Dave. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, okay, so really next with this length of the meat, we we wanted to get into Gamer Nation, really crafting each type of these three threats and really discussing them as a separate conversation. If you're going to be building them from scratch. But before that, I think it's really important to note um, a very basic rule that uh, you know, Phil, you obviously missed out on that episode with, uh, um, uh, that we just had on, 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 on Starship creation. Um, <sighs> I, I know with Jason Marker. Um, but one of the it's things, okay. I'll nerd about him I'll nerd at him next time.. One of the things that Dave and I, you know, we're talking with Jason about was that, you know, one of the easiest and best and most really efficient and balanced things you can do is reskin an existing, you know, ship. If you're trying to build something oh, from yeah. scratch. Um, it, it goes without saying that that is the best way to create a minion, a rival, or nemesis as well. It, just take one in the book and reskin it. Rename it. Adjust the defense of the soak by a point or three. Change out the weaponry. Um, yeah. It just, it you know, despite all the discussion that we're about to have, guys... Especially if you're a novice GM, this remains the best option for a quick balanced threat. And even if you don't do a full reskin, at least compare your fresh threat to the others in the book to gut check yourself. I mean, we did this when we were when we were doing our threats, right? Um, oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah i started with I started with a core and then just kind of redid it a little kinda bit,
2: kinda moved, moved around it. Um, you know, how does your threat compare to the uh, uh, Qualish Thug or the Pirate Captain? You know. The device we're going to give you, as I said, is for crafting threats from scratch, but keep in mind that you should always use the published resources to guide you if you don't use them outright. Yeah. So, That's it,
1: right, it is boy. There. You right. can shoot yourself in the foot.
2: You absolutely can. So, let's talk about some foot shooting. I want to get into this and uh, I want to talk about those 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 enemies that are going to shoot themselves in the foot, uh, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more often than any others, I want to start with minions. And I kind of want to have a back-and-forth uh, talk about this, guys. Absolutely. Um, I think, just personally, I think creating minions is, on one hand, it's like it's like one of the easiest tasks for the GM to complete. But on the other hand, it can be the most dangerous if it's not done right. And I, we'll get to it, but I had a prime example of this last night. <laughs> okay? Because um, minions are the disposable tissue paper of the threat game, right? But they can choke a PC if you're not careful. Um, or if you give them too many of them in a single group. Exactly. So I, So let's, let's talk about this, okay? Because what it comes down to for crafting minions, and I think the thing you ultimately have to think about is power level. Um, I think the power of the minion group is determined primarily by three large things. One, their wound threshold, individually, okay? Two, the number of minions in the group, as you so sagely put, Phil. And three, their equipment, and mm-hmm. so I'd like to talk about these guys and go through each one of these main points and talk about our big rules of thumb and kind of how to implement those.
0: Um, All right, let's, let's start with Wound Threshold, Done. Go for it. Well, obviously this is the primary things that novice GMs can get wrong because you can easily overestimate this. You have to think about how disposable these minions are. Your average blaster deals a minimum of seven wounds on a hit. A blaster shot should take out a single average minion pound for pound. Yeah. Um, As a good rule of thumb, greater than six wound threshold. Less than six. uh, Sorry, less than six on a. I'm sorry. Less than six on a wound threshold is a cream puff minion, maybe a Minoc or a small creature. Six to seven is your average humanoid minion, and seven or higher is a very tough minion. Yeah. So that's the first thing you really want to keep in mind. Um, if you want a hardcore shot from a carbine to mow through at least two minions, do the math. That's a wound threshold of five. And if you look at most of the minion groups in the in the in the book, stuff like stormtroopers and pirate gang, that's what they're looking around. You know, your, your average street thugs are looking at a four or five wound threshold. Yeah,
2: I mean, because you, you you think about a carbine or a blaster rifle, you have nine base damage. So if you succeed, that's a ten wound minimum, right? right. Um, you know, d- do you want a BFG like that to mow down a couple minions or just one? You know, think about how disposable you want to make them. I, I understand.
0: I understand what you're saying. Um, so now you mentioned something earlier about <laughs> some examples from yesterday. And yeah. Okay. Okay. So
2: this this game I ran last night was night level play. Okay. Uh, and-, and like I said, it was the first module I've run with night level play aside from one off encounters. This was like the first full adventure, and. In the one-off encounters I've done, the PCs mopped. They mopped the floor. And I was like, whoa, I just I, I can't apply my old logic. You know what I mean? I, I have to really restructure and rethink how I do my threats for night, a light-level play, or the, the players just aren't going to be challenged. So I really wanted to scare the crap out of them and challenge them, you know, handedly. And they faced off against um, three, uh, like, there were two rivals and three groups of pirate minions each group had four minions in it, and I really wanted to scare the crap out of them, and so I gave each minion ten wound threshold.
0: Ah! You did what?
2: That's what I did, buddy. Um, Forty. Yeah. Now, you have to realize, I was balancing this against the party's weapons, and I know we're going to come to this. I mean, you had... I mean, I mean, for people...
1: Is somebody wielding a lightsaber in there with Breach?
2: Uh, two, two of them, yes. Naturally. Okay. Uh, so two lightsaber wielders. Uh, we had a, uh, uh, a a a sniper with the the sniper rifle that e eleven. You know what I mean? That really incredible one that does like twelve wounds and has breach and you know what I mean?
0: Oh right 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 right. Okay.
2: I mean we we had some ridiculous weaponry and we had an okay. explosives expert. All this came to bear for me. Okay. Even then, it was way 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 too powerful. <laughs> I mean, it, wow. it, the, the the party I don't think was ever in any real danger. What it had the the wrong side effect of doing was it made the encounter last twice as long as it should have. Yeah, um, you know those guys should have been, you know, maybe I mean just to be tough, maybe seven, okay, maybe seven or eight. Seven's good. Seven's you know? good. Um, that's that's
1: less squad of minions.
2: Yeah, well, I wanted the extra group to activate, right? Because it's one extra attack, okay? Right, yeah. So from, a, from an encounter design perspective, I wanted to have three squads. And plus, the way the adventure uh, works out, the amount of time they spend to do their investigation, the more squads they're going to face, basically. So, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of put themselves in that boat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what it came down to. So that was a really interesting lesson for me, that even at night level play, those rules still come down. And what was really interesting when I was making night level characters and pregens for this, guys, is that even with a boatload of talents that these guys had, their wound thresholds
0: were not ridiculous. No, they're not. That's, the, that's one of the mechanics built into the game. That yeah. As you go up in XP, your wound and strain thresholds are not going to be skyrocketing with you. no. You might you might have a plus two increase, maybe a plus four
2: increase after a hundred, a hundred and fifty earned XP. You know, yeah.
3: yeah. But
0: or if you're in one of those careers, there are careers out there that'll get you like three or four uh, toughness levels, and so you can get eighteen and twenty toughness in a relatively short amount of time. But that's 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 the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I mean, heck, most of those trees out there, you have one if that if that.
2: So. So anyway, wound threshold is like that first big thing to determine. Now, Dave, you brought up the number of, of minion groups, but also the number of minions in the group. Can
1: you dig, right. Well, can let you me dig back up for a second. Yeah. Did you, did you have soak on top of the 10 wound oh. threshold?
2: Uh, yes. They, yes, I did. They had, um, I believe they had, uh, uh, w- well, we'll come to that with equipment, but I think they had about three or four soak. So it was pretty tight.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, yeah, that's pretty standard.
1: Yeah, so that was the, okay, so this was the other thing I was thinking about, right? And I said, uh, you know, bring down a number of group, but you want the extra activation. You can always take one out of the group, right? Because the number of minions in a group is going to be, well, first, it's going to be one of the most important things that that novice GMs get wrong, right? So, because you have to keep in mind that every single minion in the group is going to equal one, we've talked about this before, one upgrade and one extra hit that a group can take. Yeah, more or less. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an economy of scale, and it's cool, but it also makes them more badass as you get more of them, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's it's one of those deals where, yeah, you get all the checks and then uh, upgraded and all that, and, and, and you're going to downgrade them every time you lose a minion out of the group. But just, you know, just remember, and, and we'll give you a rule of thumb here, uh, basically that one upgrades for... The uh, minion's primary attack is kind of a pseudo-cream puff, right? Two is average, three is tough, or more. And more upgrades equals more advantages, and it introduces triumphs and yeah. crits. So make sure and keep that in mind as well, because that's going to determine how many minions you want in each group. So an extra minion is an extra upgrade. Two minions is two upgrades, etc., etc. Yeah.
2: Now I will say I think my group size was spot on with my encounter last night just because, I uh, you know y- y- you talk about you know I-, I you know I wanted it to be three or higher because I wanted it to be a very tough group in terms of the upgrade okay right. F- following that rule of thumb and keep right. in mind I had I had PCs out there with three ranks and in, in their primary attacks as well so okay. you sure. know redesigning this I might bring them down um, to uh, Maybe four and seven. Yeah, maybe probably i don't know that i decreased the minion group size but i would definitely decrease the um the the, the thresholds involved but yeah but there is that now the other thing that made this group interesting was the third big power level thing to think about with minions and that was their equipment yeah this can be very hard to figure out sometimes and the mistake that some gms make in my opinion is outfitting minions like they're pcs they're not um The real question that you have to ask yourself, in my opinion, and kind of what I do as a GM, it's one of math. Before I even look at the weapons in the book, how much damage do I expect a PC to take from one hit from this minion group? Um, That answer determines what gear I should give the minions. Um, My rule of thumb on this is that if it's less than seven minimum damage, that's a low power minion. Okay, so we're talking a basic blaster pistol or smaller, right? Yeah. Um, seven to eight damage is going to be about average. So you're looking at like a heavy blaster pistol, that, that kind of range. Okay. Yep. Um, and anything higher than eight, nine or greater, you know, carbine or, or blaster rifle area, that, that's a tough group. Okay. Like stormtroopers. Like stormtroopers, right? <laughs> um, so th- that's kind of the good rule of thumb there for equipment. I mean, like, y- like your average PC, like we said, they only have a 12 to 15 wound threshold. Okay. Even if they're tough sons of guns. Um, you know, a couple good blaster hits can really take them out. And we've all seen this happen in our games, right? Oh, yeah. Let the minimum damage of your minions' weapons guide you, okay? Now, that's one side of the equipment coin. The other side is armor. There's the thought of soak increase, all right, based on the question you asked earlier, Dave, right? Yeah. This, in reality, from a math perspective, simply adds to the wound threshold discussion above, right? Mm. Because really, it's just it's just decreasing the damage they can take before one of them's taken out, right? So that has to be considered. Um, also, good armor can add defense. In in my experience, especially when we look at the books, this is very rare for minions. We don't commonly see minion groups with any numbers for defense. Um, but it 's not entirely uncommon for powerful minion threats, so that 's something else to think about like remaking the, these these threats that I did last night um, i will they had they had defense as well. I will probably remove that um, i 'll keep their soak at the three or four that it was i 'll bump their wound thresholds down to most likely a seven um, and i 'll keep their weaponry kind of where it is um, because all this stuff blended together kind of gives you a very specific threat, and you know to kind of wrap this up before we take our own stabs at building a minions. Um, I want to talk about some other things to, to consider. Okay. Um, and the first one I'll take, because I've been leading into it, mixing and matching the above points that Phil and Dave and I just went through. Equipment, number of minions in the group, and the wound threshold of each minion, you can mix and match these things and decrease one and increase the other to craft a very fun and specific kind of threat to meet the specific needs you want in the minion group. So, for example, um, you want your minion group to be glass cannon, all right? Give them amazing weaponry, average numbers, but low wound thresholds, okay? You know, you outfit a group of thugs with carbines. And you put, you, know, you put four in the group, but you give them thresholds of you know, four or five and no soak, okay? They're, they're, they're one-shot ponies. They're going to get mowed through, but they're going to be a serious threat, right? Sure. Just not a long-lasting one. On the converse of that, if you want a persistent minion group that's going to persist a while and be a consistent threat, but not, but more pesty, you know what I mean? Not, not heavy damage dealing. Then <laughs> low numbers, poor equipment but high wound thresholds so they're not upgrading a whole lot their damage is not huge um, but they have higher wound thresholds they're sitting at a seven or an eight and so they take a while to take out and they're in the encounter and they're distracting your pcs but they're not posing a huge damage risk to your pcs does that make sense Uh, very so deciding how you want to mix and match that comes down to the role you see this minion group playing you know, do you want it to be a glass cannon? Do you want it to be a persistent threat? Do you want it to scare the crap out of your PCs for a brief moment and then have them be mowed down easily? You know, kind of what do you want them to do? What other what other things to remember can can we can we uh, impart outside of the big three we just covered? Um, you know,
0: uh, for minion groups, keep it simple, stupid. Explain.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: W- okay. These are minions, so they're run-of-the-mill mooks. They are not going to be outfitted with the hottest gear and the hottest equipment. Um, it might be fun to use unusual weaponry like disruptor pistols or some tricked-out heavy blaster like, like the ones that were introduced in uh, in Stay on Target, that double barrel thing with linked one. <laughs> These are minions. Give them one weapon, maybe two, like a ranged one and a melee one. Um, and just make them basic weapons. Blaster pistols, vibro knives, a carbine, you know, stuff like that. Um, make sure you don't have too many unusual weapon qualities to think about. Minions should be the easiest thing in the game for you to run, so keep it that way. Yeah. This also means that usually species' abilities should be fluff, not actionable things, within reason. I mean, you know, you've got, so if you've got droid minions, a bunch of B1 battle droids, um, they still shouldn't be able to be poisoned, but... If you're going up against some I don't know, a Celestian gang, for instance, they don't need your minions don't need to have stats and acknowledge the free rank and astrogation. <laughs> it's
3: it's fluff, come on. Right.
0: Right. So okay.
2: That's good. That's good. Okay, so mix and match, keep your minions simple. Dave, what about characteristics?
1: Well, I would say to keep the majority of those low. Mm. So you're talking, you know, I mean, Phil already said it. They're they're pretty much mooks, right? So, you know, if you go through, let's say, Age of Rebellion, you'll find that a lot of these that are pre-made for you will run the gamut, and you'll see a three every once in a while, but you'll see a lot of ones and twos. Yeah. In some cases, you'll see all ones. You know, so it, it it's twos in, in brawn and agility will make sense, maybe a cunning here or there. You'll see. I, I kind of did something weird with mine, but you know they, that's neither here nor there. But you can put ones everywhere else. You know, yeah. um, you know tougher minion groups. You know, like I said, could have a three in the primary uh, characteristic and, and at most and leave it at that. You know, maybe a three if if they're going to be a little tougher or present one aspect of problem. If if you want them to, if you want to craft them for a certain type of threat, and then not really much more, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so to recap. All right. For minion groups, the big things you really have to remember, wound threshold. And remember that rule of thumb. Less than six, cream puff. Six to seven, average. Greater than seven, tough. Number of minions in the group, rule of thumb. One upgrade, cream puff. Two upgrades, average. Three or more, tough. And equipment, rule of thumb. Less than seven, minimum damage, low power seven to eight average eight or better tough okay remember mixing and matching and follow phil's excellent advice of keeping it simple stupid don't give yourself a lot to remember with these guys and as dave put it keep their characteristics fairly low i want to bring all this together guys and i want to do this for each one of ours i want to craft a minion group together okay nice so I've already done a lot of mine, and, and kind of the one I prepped is the one I've been talking about, just because it's in my head, but I kind of want to go over it again. So I'm, I'm crafting a minion group of pirate thugs that are designed to be a challenge for night-level play players, all right? So we're talking about base players with 150 earned XP, and either lightsabers or nine grand in equipment and modifications, okay? So right. very tough. So with that example, they're just minions, okay, but I wanted to pack a little bit of a punch, but I want them I don't want them to last too terribly long. So with this, looking at my party group, um, first and foremost, I'm gonna look at wound threshold. I want them to be tough, but not too tough. Um and I'm gonna have them pack a big, pretty big punch. So I'm gonna keep them average um with a seven wound threshold, okay? Um after that, um, I'm going to think about uh, uh, the number of minions in the group. I really, 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 really want them to start off with three upgrades because I want to hit the PCs hard in an initial surprise encounter. I'm thinking about what I'm using them for in this module, and I want to I get some advantage. I want to get some triumphs so I can get some crits early on, right? Um, plus, I have a PC in the group I know has uh, some foresight abilities, so I want to be able to counter that. So I'm going to keep it a four minion group, okay, for the time being. Got and it. then for equipment, I'm going to give them carbines because I want them to pack a really nasty punch. Carbines and vibro knives, and that's it, all right? Um, as far as stats go, I'm going to give them... Uh, and, and equipment, I'm going to give them some basic armor, plus one soak, okay? Plus one soak. Stats, I'm going to give them three agility, two strength, two brawn, and ones everywhere else across the board. They don't need anything else like that, Okay. So basically, you know, coming out the gate before they start getting picked off, I'm looking at three yellows on the attack pool, um, which is still less than any of my PCs for that matter, um, at night level play. So um, uh, that's kind of where I'm going with this. I mean, what do you what do you guys think? Pick holes in this?
0: Anything? They, um. Well, the thing is, I think you mostly addressed the the drawbacks that you had them had before when we were you know when we just went over the minions. Anything that was you've, – you've already dialed it down. You, you've explained what you were, what you were referring to. Um, so at this point, I, I think it's a solid, heavy, beefy threat. Good. Yeah, too. Excellent. Well, Phil, what do you got, man? Okay. I think I'm going to take this on a little bit of a different, uh, different track. Um, I'm going to put – I'm going to try to create an NPC minion group that's a Pest. A, a pesky thing that will divert the PC's attention, perhaps for a round or two, to deal with because if they don't, they're going to get stung to death by these guys. Okay. I'm thinking of something along the lines of an, an Imperial archaeological survey team. Ooh. Um, something that I'm kind of needing in certain roles in my game that I'm running right now, which is Legacy Era. So the fact that there is run-of-the-mill Imperials that are out there looking at Sith Temples and Force Temples and that sort of thing is a little more acceptable than what you might find in your Galactic Empire Rebellion Era. But you still might find something along these lines and be able to use it. So since these guys are archaeological dig workers, basically. They're they're, they're students, they're academics, but they've gone through the Imperial military to get to where they are. So I'm thinking as far as stat goes, just twos in everything except for intellect. These guys are generally smart, the Empire wants the brightest working on these sites, so that's what they get tapped for. Makes sense. Um, I'm thinking of a wound threshold of about four. These guys aren't very beefy. But their strength is they're going to be used on large digs. So we're talking... 10, 12, 15, maybe even 20 of these guys. Oh, Not all as one group obviously, but a group of 4? Yeah. That could a group of 4 of these guys, that could be a that could be a serious pest for the PCs to have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, as far as skills, knowledge, lore, to go along with the fact that they're archaeological survey experts and ranged light because they did go through the Imperial Academy to get to where they are. Well, they don't have ranks in those skills though. Correct. Right. But these are just the skills that they are considered uh, that that if they're in a minion group, these are the skills that are going to get b- b- uh, beefed up. Um, well, I don't so know if you'd ever
2: correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'm all about all here, but aren't all skills beefed up when the minions are in a group?
1: No. no, just the ones you pick for group only skills.
2: Oh, so you have to pick. Yes. Oh, so this is something we did not discuss earlier,
0: gentlemen. And
1: I think, and this that's is
2: another
0: a... thing. A, a, a look at what your minions are supposed to do don't go digging through the book grabbing like six or eight skills these guys only have two or th- should probably only have about two or three skills total only- well no no i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, i was gonna preface this <laughs> unless you've got a specific role for them to uh, for them to uh to have okay. like you dave generally speaking probably about two or three skills at the most but dave is awesome so dave's Dave gets a buy. Yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because we didn't
2: mention this before, but this is very important to know. And this is why you'll find those group skills noted on the stat blocks in the book. Right. Okay, it's very important. I, I totally missed talking about the skills in my in my group, but these guys are going to have um, uh, for my guys we're going to have vigilance, ranged, heavy, and melee. Okay.
3: Oh,
0: wow, yeah, that 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 is a pure combat team, and that's what they're intended to do. Exactly, exactly. Look at what your minion group is supposed to do and give them skills along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as equipment goes, we're going to keep it with the Pest. Um, Rugged uniform, equivalent of heavy clothing, plus one soak, and a light blaster pistol. I originally thought about a holdout blaster, but that's short range. I wanted these guys to be a little bit more of a pest and have some, be able to make the PCs close to them to deal with them. So I gave them a light blaster pistol. Still damage five, but it's medium range. Very nice. Mm.
2: Very nice. And
1: now,
0: Dave's awesome.
1: <laughs> I love this. So mine is uh mine is um I call it um hello nurse. These are these are meant to be like nurse technicians and it's a group of 4 Twi'lek females. You can put them in to some The way I have this envisioned is that this is more of a social encounter than it is a combat encounter. They are meant to deceive your PCs with their charm and their assets. So we have Agility and Cunning 3, everything else 1s and 2s. Not particularly beefy, Soak 3, Rune Threshold 5. But their skills are coercion, deception, skullduggery, charm, melee, and range light. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you got a little bit of melee, you got a little bit of range light, but the, the, the deal is these will not fight unless they absolutely have to.
2: Yeah, that's not, the, that's not there. You made them as social
1: mans. Yeah, this is a social encounter. So unless one of the PCs starts with a pot shot, they're not going to fight. That, that's that's really what this was meant to be, right? This, to throw them off the track, give them some false information, and send them on their way. That is the goal of this. They have a vibro knife, so they're only going to do four damage, uh, but it is Pierce two and Vicious one, <laughs> just in case you know, lest you be fooled to think that they're just little girls. Um, and they get a plus one soak out of their uniform, and they have a blaster pistol if if they absolutely need it. Again, so you don't want you don't want to have them fight because they're just going to go down immediately. But you know. It's something that's cool to kind of use the charm and, and deception to try and, and and throw the PCs off their game.
0: So what do they get in their uniform? Pardon? You said they get a plus one soak out of their uniform.
1: Oh, what do you have to spend to get in? No, no, we're not going down that route. Oh,
3: okay, fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I was looking for that.
2: <laughs> Did I find it? Okay, there we go. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Like, yeah. For...
3: Yeah.
2: Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, th- see, this is, this is very interesting. So we've got three very distinct minion groups here, and they're they're very easy to put together. I mean, you you saw how quickly it was to do. Um, it's just a matter of of applying those those rules of thumb properly. Well, like I said, I think I think for for in my in my opinion. Minions are the easiest thing to craft, but it's um, th- they can be very hard to get right. All right. But much like uh, you, know, and you guys both bring up some really salient points and much like our conversation with starships, it really starts with the role you want them to accomplish. You know what I mean? Mm. So
1: exactly. What's the purpose?
2: What's the what is the purpose? What is the purpose? And you're going to find that true for pretty much every threat we talk about, but you'll see an influence as we go through it. OK, with so it. with it so that's minions let's talk about rivals yes. um so crafting rivals is for my money the the easiest thing to get right all right mostly because for me rivals are like pcs light okay <laughs> they taste great they're right. less they're less filling um and you really only need to worry about three things that are commonly done wrong um Uh, very similar to minions, but with one, one major difference. And that would be number one wound threshold, number two skills and number three equipment,
1: number four talents.
2: Um, well, yes, now, yes, that, that, that's true. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think it's hard to get that wrong. Um, but we can, uh, we, we can talk about it. So look, let's, let's talk about wound threshold skills. We'll talk about talents, um, and, and then talk about equipment. Um, so, Phil, you took Wound Threshold with minions. Let me take Wound Threshold this time. Um, Very good. Again, much with the, with the minion question, what you have to ask yourself is, first of all, obviously rivals act individually, all right? So the big question is, how tough is your rival? The basic thing for me, and maybe you, Phil, Dave, maybe you can disagree with me on this, I don't believe rivals should easily be able to taken down, be taken down in one hit. No. No, um, no I mean,
1: give him, a, give him times two on the Wound Threshold and maybe a little bit higher soak.
2: I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, I, I mean, maybe two hits they can be taken down, but probably not even that. My personal rule of thumb is if you have less than 12 wound threshold on a rival, he's a cream puff. Maybe a non-combatant human, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. 12 to 15 wound threshold, that's your average humanoid rival. Okay, so you can take a couple shots with a blaster pistol and you're still up. Um, and 15 or, high, or higher than 15 on a wound threshold, that is a tough humanoid rival we see a few examples of this in the book and they're not fun um so that's kind of my basic rule of thumb on on wound threshold talk to me about skills and talents guys dave
0: you want to take skills
1: sure yeah no sorry i was distracted looking through i was looking through the book um age of rebellion and i was looking through all these you know when you said 12 to 15 and and you're right i mean the majority you've got 12 12 13 13 and then you get 115 and then that's the highest one that i saw so yeah you know
2: there's there's a couple 16 arrivals in yeah. in the edge core rule book and they're like nasty assassin toughs right gotcha. right so yeah. th- th- that's the thing 15 is about your max to be average anything higher than that you're really going to be a tough tough rival
1: right so okay so for skills i'm sorry the uh you know, you really, we're going we're to touch on this theme a lot for rivals. You just don't want to overthink this thing, right? So <laughs> give it four skills, maybe five. Don't overdo it. Um, think about, again, the primary skills that this rival will need for the encounter that you are putting him in. Again, what is the purpose of yeah. the rival? Yeah. Right? So focus on one primary skill for big ranks, and the other one should have less ranks.
2: Is that our so, rule of thumb?
1: Okay, sure, it's a rule of thumb. Okay. Absolutely. I'm
2: trying to keep the, trying to keep our rules of thumb coherent for people who are taking notes.
1: Yes, that's right. No thicker than the thumb. Otherwise, it's considered beating. <laughs> uh yeah, so one one primary skill for big ranks, maybe um maybe rank two or rank maybe maybe three. It depends on what your purpose is again in the primary combat skill. And and one rank in the other skills is is a nice little average uh, baseline. Uh, if you want to make them tougher, give them multiple skills with that that have two ranks, or or really tough rivals could have three. And and you know, yeah, it's a really tough rival. People. though.
2: That's a yeah. very very tough rival. I think three ranks in a prime in their primary primary combat skill is tough. Um, <clears throat> I, I rarely make a rival with more than two. Um, but I mean. Yeah, unless I want to make him ridiculously tough. And if you're going to make him that tough, why aren't you making a nemesis?
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> so. yeah. And
0: don't forget to take characteristics in, in, into account for that as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and don't forget about cool and vigilance. And everyone
2: forgets yeah. about initiative skills on their rivals.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and just, again, they're, they're like PCs, but they're not quite PCs. So just, you know, just remember that
0: yeah yeah
2: all right phil you brought it up man what about what about talents on our rivals
0: well as i pointed out before don't go overboard with talents either um one or two talents if that for every uh npc rival that i mentioned earlier in the show that had talents there were an equal number of rivals in the book that had no talents um take a look at some of the talents from the talent section and try to find one or two that really call out as, as related to the purpose of your rival. And, and don't be afraid to give them to them. Don't be afraid to give them a rank or two ranks in it. I don't know if I'd necessarily give them three. Mm. That's really powerful. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking to things like, uh, like Feral Strength or Lethal Blows. You know, th- th- Plus three damage to melee, plus 30 on a crit check. Eh, that's, that's starting to get into Nemesis territory. Yeah, um, but again, take a look and try to find, pick a talent or two that relates to the purpose of the of the rival. But again, if you're building mostly a skill based rival, you don't have to have talents. If it, if it doesn't make, don't just give them talents because you can give them because it has a purpose that relates to the cause. Gotcha. Now, talk to me about adversary. So.
2: Oh yes, uh, that's a
0: very important talent to remember. It
2: it, it is. What are your recommendations for how much? I mean, should you apply adversary to rivals, and if so, how many ranks?
0: If you are going to be, if you are building a combat rival, unless you want it to be easier for the, unless you want it to be a cream puff for the PCs and just give it that little extra boost of. Uh, or, or rather, that extra debuff, for instance, of of not having anything upgraded. Um, I think that if you're building a combat rival, give it at least adversary one. I would agree. Do not give it more than adversary two. Adversary two is a buff rival.
2: Yeah. I,
0: I would um, but agree. do not forget adversary on, especially <clears throat> if you're building a mini boss or a lieutenant.
2: I would agree. So the last big thing to think about um, from your power level of your rivals is equipment. And this is very similar to our discussion with minions. Again, the question is, how much damage do you expect a PC to take from one hit? Assuming this is a combat rival. And again, think about the role, right? If they're a non-combat rival, they shouldn't have boss weaponry. Um, but that answer is going to determine what gear you should give them. And it's going, mm-hmm. to, be, it's going to be very... It, the, the rule of thumb here is, is the same for our minions. Less than 7 minimum damage, low power. 7 to 8, average. Eight or, uh, greater than 8 minimum damage, tough rival. Um, as far as soak increase via armor, to me, more so than minions, this is a much more important consideration for rivals. Rivals, yep. to me, are almost always going to have armor good enough to give them a plus one, usually in some cases a plus two soak. Um, that's, that's just pretty consistent for me. I mean, Phil, Dave, do you guys find that fairly consistent for your own threats?
0: Yeah, yeah. The only time I ever give a rival a one in armor is because it's either a social rival or... Or I'm giving it something like armored clothing, where it's also getting defense. Exactly. And that's the other thing, too, is often I'll
2: find plus one when they also get the defense. Um, my, my really combat-focused rivals will often have a plus one defense um, from armored clothing or or similar analog um, in, in the Star Wars universe and in the game. Um, so my, my rule of thumb there for equipment, uh, two rules of thumb are, first, again, the the you know less than seven seven to eight or greater than eight for your 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 low average and high powered uh, damage threats and then good rule of thumb preferably plus two soak almost always from armor and if you're gonna do a plus one try and give a plus one to me- range and melee defense as well. Mm. What about other things to remember, guys? Weapon tricks. Okay, you said they were a bad idea for minions.
0: Yes, because minions have minion gear. They've got. You know, surplus stuff. Uh, rivals are rival PCs, and PCs trick out their gear, or they, or they go and hunt for specific equipment. Uh, don't be afraid to give your rival weapons that do ensnare or disorient or knockdown. Uh, Pierce weapons are also pretty popular, as might be vicious with like something with a Vibroax, for instance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Also, don't be afraid to look at an attachment or two. I don't know if I'd give them mods, but... An NPC uh, bounty hunter with a blaster rifle. That PC's note has a forearm grip. Kind of gives him an idea that closing into close range with this guy won't really hinder him as much as it could. Um, so, she'll look at attachments too and see if there's an attachment that sort of calls out to you. But uh, go easy with modding it out. Modding it, modded attachments are really the realm of um, of nemesis. Hmm.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was... Uh, characteristics. Yeah. You know, uh, here again, we're talking about twos in all the supplementary characteristics, and maybe threes in a couple. Um, a really tough rival could have a four. Uh, you know, it, it, if it makes sense to give him a one, makes you know, it it, it could. But it, you're mm. gonna see, you're gonna see, my my guy is is uh, it, it compensates a little bit because he's a beast. So I gave him a one in intelligence. Well, but you yeah. know, yeah, that makes it's sense. just one of those things.
2: But I mean, usually when we're talking about humanoids, I agree with you, man. I mean, you gotta have. You, it's almost always you're gonna have twos in everything and threes in at least a couple. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you do you guys see the need for? I mean, I mean, fours. When, when should a four come into play? Because for a rival, that's a really. Uh,
1: it's, it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be one of those really badass rivals. But I I personally I don't know that I would use a four on a rival. I I'd I'd, I'd save a four for a nemesis.
0: Uh, assuming we're talking about your standard humanoid threats here, of course. Yeah. yeah. In my Gen Con mod, um, a lot of the there's a the PCs go up against an NPC group during the hotball match. And some of my NPCs from there do have fours, and actually even in one case a five. Uh, but I balance that out by giving them only twos in their skills that are hung off that attribute. Ah, so here we come into
2: some mixing and matching, and this is kind of interesting. If you're going to
0: bump up, you, you hinted at
2: this earlier, Phil, if you're going to bump up uh, characteristics to that level, make sure that you don't have massive ranks in the skills they're going to be using. So their dice pool's large, but there's not a lot of
0: yellow in the pool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that goes back to the difficulties, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, too, as far as how tough an opponent you want them to be. Take a look at how many dice they're rolling against uh, for, for a challenge. I mean, when you're talking about ranged combat, at medium range, I don't care how many XP you've got, you're probably still working off a base of two difficulty dice at medium range. Yeah. So, just like minions are always going to be a threat to 200 and 300 XP or even more XP characters, you know, something rolling fours and four dice at your PCs, that's a serious threat no matter how much you've got. Yeah. So, just keep that in mind.
2: The last thing to keep in mind for like other minor things to remember for me are we talked about species abilities with minions and how typically they need to be fluff and not matter. Oh right, yeah. Um, to me, for rivals, they matter. Um, they do because they get ranks. They get ranks. I mean, so they really do matter. I mean, it may it may not take it may not matter at all for the encounter in which you're placing them in, but it doesn't hurt to note it. Um, so remember them, note them. The one that comes to mind immediately is Wookie Rage. Okay. Um, I, I will. A Wookiee's rage ability is very potent. I would never manifest it for a minion group. If I had a group of minion Wookies, <laughs> I wouldn't give them rage. I know that sounds odd, but they're minions. You know what I mean? But for a rival, you're damn right. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get his Wookiee rage if he's a Wookiee. Okay? Yes. It's kind of the ones that come off the top of my head. You know what I mean? So, there is that. So okay, um, let's craft some rivals, guys. And uh, I'm not gonna go first. I'm gonna let one of you guys go
0: first. Who who wants it? I could go. Hit us. I'll go first. All right. Um, my rival that I wanted to make is one that I actually used in my last campaign, so I had a little bit of a leg up on that. Um, a Mandalorian Death Watch trooper. So, oh. as you know, these are the guys that I'm thinking about from the Clone Wars cartoon, for instance, the folks that were hanging out with Previsla. Um, they came across as something more than Minion, but I didn't want to quite put them on par with PCs, and I'll sh- explain uh, explain specifically what I'm talking about when I get to it. Okay. For base stats, these guys are mostly human, but they could be any alien race, so uh, the base stats that I worked off with was Brawn 3, Agility 3, Wisdom 3, I'm oh, sorry, Willpower 3, and Intellect, Cunning, and Presence all at twos. Right. These guys are battle-hardened, they're tough, they're good in combat. But they're not exactly slouches in in intellect and and, and uh, tactical uh, tactical knowledge. Okay. I gave them a soak of six because they're beefy. Um, their armor, the, the, their armor, their toughness. They're they're just a little bit tougher than your average uh, than your average minion that's or your average
2: rival. Even that's hardcore, man. I mean, that's gonna that that's gonna
0: absorb that's gonna absorb any small weapons fire off the bat for the most part. Right, and anything that gets through is going to be dealing with a wound threshold of fifteen. Woof. These are Mandalorian Death Watch troopers. They're tough. Yeah. Now, skills. Coercion 1. Mandos, hello. Melee 2. You're getting close with them, they're going to hurt you. Piloting Planetary 2, and I gave them a reason for that. And Range Light 2. These guys are combatants. Now, I didn't give them Vigilance... Because I gave them a willpower of three, so that means that for initiative they're rolling three dice usually, unless they're using something that needs cool. I figure three dice just straight out is fine for a trooper. Again, remember what I was saying? These guys are these guys are rival lights, and the reason why I call them rival lights is because I didn't give them the adversary talent. They're working off raw soak and raw ability to take damage. I'm not upgrading their checks at PC's attacks automatically. That is an excellent example
2: that everyone should take to heart here. Like, we say, oh my God, soak of six, wound threshold 15. Yeah, but no ranks in adversary. None. And, None. and so they're going to be imminently hittable. They're just yep. going to take some of what they get hit for. This is a, a very important trade off you've made, Phil, that everyone should take to heart who's listening.
0: Talents, other than that, no adversary, I gave them sniper shot. And, I'll exp- and the reason is, is because they gave them twin blaster pistols. Mm. Blaster pistols have a range of medium. So with a maneuver and two points of strain slash wounds, they can shoot something at long range. So there's a balance point there. So they're going to want to get in close, or if they stay at range, they're going to basically whittle themselves down. Uh, gave them lethal blows one for a plus 10 on critical injury rolls. It just seems flavorful for Mandalorian Death Watch. Uh, and as far as equipment goes, I gave them two blaster pistols, so they've got the option of upgrading their attack checks to try to shoot with both pistols. Gave them laminate armor with plus two soak. I didn't want to give them heavy battle armor because I still feel that that is the realm of a single beefy rival or an nemesis. I would agree. But laminate armor is just fine, especially when, you know, especially when we're talking about Mandalorians. And I gave them a jetpack. Your basic jetpack, Speed 1 vehicle, so that they can use their piloting planetary, they can rocket around the battlefield, but they're probably still going to try to get in at least medium range so that they can just gun PCs down with their pistols. Hmm. I like it. Tough, but takeable.
2: This is a good, good example of some of these concepts into play. Now, one of the things we haven't talked about is crafting threats that are beasts, And what's interesting about beasts is they often have some special abilities that you almost are kind of in the realm of talents, but they're not talents. You know what I mean? And this is an art in its own right. And Dave, I think you've done a phenomenal example of this. So please lay your rival on us, man.
1: Oh, you're talking about, okay, I'll get to it. So um, actually I dug into, Chris, you'll know this. I found a stack of revised core rule books RCR, baby. God, God knows when. And I, I decided, what the heck, I'm going to take a look at that big bestiary or whatever book. And out of it, I pulled from, I think they're the planet from Dixon or something, however you say it, the Screeve. It is this big dragon-looking flying reptile thing with a wingspan of 20 meters. It's huge. <laughs> Good and lord. And it flies damn near silently over the jungle and then swoops in for the kill. Mostly little small animals and things like that. However, if you make it mad, it is fiercely territorial, especially of its nest. So, we gave this guy a brawn of three, agility of three, intellect one, cunning three, and then the others are twos. So uh the soak here is 5 and the wound threshold 16 but like phil there's no adversary.
2: Now even then uh, talk to me about the wound threshold 16 because for a 20 meter wingspan beast that seems low.
1: It it is but if if you see a picture of it the wings are huge the body not very big.
2: Okay so they're not really hardy creatures. Right. I'm looking at a picture of this thing right now they're from Duxon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there, I mean, you, you got a little, you got a little creature with like these really big fangs sticking out the front of their chin, and aside from that and a tail, it really looks like a little dragon mm-hmm. with these big ass wings.
3: Mm-hmm. There you
1: go. You know, or maybe a bat. I don't know. It it just kind of reminded me of a dragon though. Um, skills: we went stealth three, brawl two, survival two, vigilance one. And the abilities. This is what Chris is talking about. I. There's no real talent. I, decide, I decided to make what's called a silent attack because they are... One of the things that I read in the, uh, in the RCR book and then, of course, on Wikipedia when I looked them up is that do, they do attack with near silence. And so this is going to add two setback dice to any perception check to try and detect their existence. They're silhouette, too, and they have maternal instincts. So whenever they are, whenever they are fighting... Within medium range of their nest, they get a boost die added to any uh, any combat check that they make. Hmm. From an equipment standpoint, they really do their business with their claws, and this is a this is like a brawl with a damage of six and pierce two. But they also have this really awesome, you know, when they make this dive bomb attack, they use these big spears that are basically attached to their chin and these giant teeth. And, and it's like a flying strike, if you will. This is damage 9, critical 4, Ooh. fierce 1, disorient, knockdown. Mm. This, this is bad if, if, if you get caught with this guy.
2: Okay,
0: so damage 9. Well, that's really no greater than, like, your blaster rifle. Yeah, uh, that, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I'm
2: looking... I'm
1: only going to do it once.
2: Like, because the, the only, I guess, okay, so aside from that, the only things I would, I would come curious about is, why twos for willpower and presence? I mean, for a beast, why not go for ones?
1: Yeah, they could very well have ones. Okay. You're, you're probably right. The other thing
2: is, based on the description you give me, I would almost want to put that one in cool instead of vigilance, because these guys are going to be ambushers, from what you've told me. So when they make their initiative checks, they're probably going to be doing cool instead of reacting.
1: Yeah, that's probably, you're probably right.
2: But other than that, no, man. I'm 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 liking this. This is good. I love your abilities though. They're not too overpowered. I mean, two setback dice added to perception checks to detect them, right? They got this silent attack. Nice. And the maternal instinct that auto boost die is powerful, but it's so situational that it really balances beautifully.
0: And Dave actually does something really cool that I also really liked about this. You made your own talents or abilities. Yeah. That's what I'm that saying. is cool. It's so cool. You did a phenomenal job with that, and they're so balanced. Don't be afraid to do that, folks. Um, there are a bunch of abilities in the NPC section that have no, no ability for the PCs to get. Stuff like uh, Imperial Valor, where you know, any shot on a certain Imperial officer, he can just shrug it off on an, an, an engaged minion. That is so flavorful, but no PC is ever going to get that ability. So take a look and, and and you know just like Dave did, don't be afraid to build your own abilities and talents. Go for it.
1: Yeah, and that you know strictly that was I was using a roadmap that was out of the RCR book. I was like, I gotta come up with something that's gonna, dude, that's gonna mimic this, right?
2: Very well done. Very well done. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Um, well, not to be outdone, um, I also made a beast. Nice. Um, there aren't enough beasts in the game yet. There aren't. And there's one that I, I, I made a Sarlacc. <laughs> you made a what? <laughs> I made a Sarlacc. I made a Sarlacc. That's what's it's what, it's what I made.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. All right. I guess, is the Rancor a nemesis or is the Rancor a rifle Um. Good question. I don't know off the top of my head, but I'll look
2: it up. You start. But there is a very reason there is a very purposeful reason I made this arrival. Okay. Go for it. I don't know about the Rancor, but most beasts are, unless they're acting as minions, okay? The defining feature of a nemesis for me is somebody who has the ability to take talents extensively to the level the PCs can, okay? Right. I didn't see any benefit. That a Nemesis would have. Strain threshold. Extensive PC. Better than PC talents. Better than PC ranks. That I would want the Sarlacc to have. Okay. It's an animal. <laughs> I mean. Okay. You want to get into the fluff. It's semi-sentient. That's fine. Okay. But I, I kind of went off the deep end with this guy. And I, I want you guys to to spot check me on this. Okay. So Go for it. First and foremost, um, you all know what the Sarlacc is. Uh, so, characteristics. I gave it a five brawn. That fits. All right. Not a six, because that's like Herculean to the point of nonsense, right? Yeah. And yeah. their tentacles aren't that strong. They're really strong, but they're not that strong. Okay? Sorry. Um, Ones across the board, one agility, one presence, one willpower, but a two in cunning. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, this guy has two skills and two skills only. Uh, he has two ranks in Brawl, as you can quite imagine. Of course. And Perception 2. All right. Okay? Obviously trying to sense out its prey. Right. Um. I have a Soak of 8.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
2: All right. Um, five from the brawn, and then I figure three from some, 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 you know, some just innate toughness out there, um, and maybe, maybe if it took a talent, it's going to be a toughness talent, right? Or just the background effect of enduring, you know? Exactly.
0: Precisely. You don't really spell, you don't really see toughen, grit, or enduring in the stat block. They're just, you just, you just jack up those stats. It, it's, it's just, it's just there. I figure
2: he's gotten basically the equivalent of natural armor that gives him a plus two, and then probably a rank in enduring when you get down to it. Sure. Um, okay, wound threshold fifty.
0: I can get behind that. You get behind that? I can get
3: behind that.
2: Um this is not something the PCs can kill. Well, I mean they can, alright? It's possible, but this is something you run away from. And the huge deciding factor in this for me was the fact that this thing can't move. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Now we get into talents or special abilities. Um, I gave it, uh, three, uh, special abilities that it has on its own that I also crafted myself. Um, the first one is blind sense just because it fits with the Sarlacc. Okay. Okay. And what that reads is it doesn't suffer any penalties due to low light or concealment for a target that is touching the ground. Um, very D and D, but I like it. It fits. It it does fit. Okay. The other two I gave it were, first of all, multi-attack. Um, the Sarlacc, I give it six tentacles. It can attack with all six of them as a single action.
0: Uh, okay. Do you intend it to be working like auto-fire, or do you intend it to work like linked? No. Uh, the, uh,
2: the part of the description is each tentacle needs to attack a different target.
0: Okay. Makes so sense. If you're ro- oh, all right. So if you're rolling once... Yep, Hi-
2: highest de- highest defense, obviously, right? Okay, highest defense of them of the of the various attack targets.
0: All right, so it kind of works like auto fire, except that you specifically have to target different targets with each attack. That's correct. Okay, all right, cool. Um, I like that.
2: Now, the final special ability this thing had was tether prey, is what I called it, and basically, as we'll get to in a minute, I gave its tentacles the, as you can imagine, the ensnare quality. Of course. So if a target is ensnared. The the Sarlacc can take an action to pull one ensnared flow, one range band closer to its beak. And forces them to scream like a little girl, even though
0: it, they normally sell Colt 45. Exactly. A
3: little higher!
0: A little higher! All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <so>. Greatest <laughs> scream ever. Awesome. Next to the Wilhelm scream, of course. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> Um, ah!
2: do, so you know, they brought Billy Dee back to be a young Lando in the neck. It's going to be in the next episode of, uh, of, of rebels, right? I watched it.
3: It's uh, awesome.
2: I still, I still haven't watched it yet. I need to. It's awesome. I just, I can't, I just can't wait. Um, I can't wait to watch it. Um, as far as attacks, this thing's got six tentacles. All right. Um, with, sure. again, with, with, with it's, it's, it's looking, it's looking at three green and two yellow with its two ranks in brawl and its natural brawn. Um, Damage of five, straight brawn. Those tentacles are not beefy, all right? So they can beat you around and constrict you for just kind of a, a simple amount of damage. The, the, the tentacles aren't what kills you.
0: <laughs> no. All
2: right? No. The tentacles are there to activate the qualities they have. I gave them Disorient one, okay, if they beat you around, ensnare one, okay, which is what they're there to do. But this is kind of weird. These are melee weapons with a range of short. Yep. Okay. Um, the other weapon it has is its beak, um, which I, I, I bumped the damage up a bit um, to, to something pretty hardy, to a 7, okay? With a very high, a very low crit, crit 2, okay? Range is engaged on this, all right? Um, and the beak also has pierce 2. Yeah. Um, which is, it was kind of fitting for me. But this is my Sarlacc. All right. And, uh, you know, it was a rival for me. I wanted it to be darn near unkillable. But it's one of those things that if you can get away from it, uh, you can get away from it. Um, And then there's, you know, things that aren't in the stat block that are, you know, when I built this for for an encounter, role playing aside, if damage is dealt to one of the tentacles, it's going to let go. Okay, you know, stuff like that. So the PCs have an out to get out. Or that could be an effect for Triumph and Despair or Threat on the part of the Sarlacc. Absolutely. And it was in several cases when I actually ran this guy in my game. Um, oh, cool. So so talk to me about this, guys. What can I do
0: better about this threat? Help me pick it apart. Given, given that the fact that we've seen exactly how much strength the tentacles had – and how difficult, they ha- they, how difficult it was for it to pull Lando in. I mean, yeah, Lando's no slouch, but you know, a Strength 5 versus a Strength 3, a Brawn 5 versus what I figure at most for Lando's, a Brawn 3. Um, I might dial down, the, I, I would keep like the Soak and everything else the way it is, but I might dial down its Brawn to 4. That's not a bad suggestion, Phil. It's, it's really
2: not. Because again, it's not the tentacles that are hurting you, they're just there to grab you and pull you into its mouth.
0: Really, all you need the tentacles to do is deal that point of damage to get through your target soak or whatever so that it can affect it with stuff like Disorient and, 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 and Snare and all those other good things. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, you put that into clarity for me. Okay.
0: I'm glad you said that. It was in the back of my mind. I like everything else though i i i think that's really solid, but the only other thing I'd mention is you know have some sort of mechanism built into it where you know it it you know if it if it if it starts its turn with a target that is suffering an ensnared effect, it can move it one move one range band closer well, see, I wanted it to take an
2: action to do that so, okay so so that's the thing that tether prey thing is an action in its own right so oh, so in okay. other words. It has, in order to take an ensnared prey and move it closer to itself, it has to sacrifice using its other tentacles to attack other PCs. And then what? Makes an opposed athletics check or something? Um, uh, well, uh, that's uh, so I didn't even go that far in the stat block at that point. I just said it takes an action and does it. You're ensnared, guess what? If the PC breaks the ensnare following the normal rules for breaking an ensnare... Oh, okay, Okay,
0: then he's out of it. But I didn't even want to get into that level of complication. And mo- That's right. Moving to engage doesn't necessarily mean it automatically starts eating you and digesting you for the next thousand years. No, no. So,
2: I mean, that, that's kind of where I went with it. But also, much like Dave's, I didn't use adversary on this guy at all. just um, <sighs> makes sense. It, it makes sense. I, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an animal. It's a stationary animal. It should not be difficult to hit.
0: It, really, the whole point of adversary is so that the, the GM didn't have to use all the mental bandwidth to handle things like dodge and, and sidestep and, and yeah the heck, bodyguard and even, yeah. you know, all those defensive talents that the result is you upgrade the opponent's check. There's no reason for it to have uh, adversary here. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. So, I don't know. Dave, what do you think, man?
1: I'm okay. I'm okay with everything that has been said so far, except the only thing i would say is to make the wound threshold even more ridiculous.
2: You think so? I mean 50s intense.
1: F- 50s a lot, but uh, i mean i kind of the guys with the the guys scrolling through in chat were saying, you know, what what did it take for fet to get out? You know, he's they said he used a satchel full of thermal detonators to just incapacitate it. Hmm. Yeah, i'm i'm just saying, i mean you're gonna see my you're gonna see my nemesis with a with a rune threshold of sixty later. And oh my god! I, I think that this is even this should be damn near impossible to kill.
0: Well, two things. Two things. A good, that's a good. That's a good call, Dave. For something like the Pit of Carcoon. where it's it's said that that is a sort of an elder Sarlacc. That is a very old, very big Sarlacc. Um, from what legends has given us of of your average sarlax, those are a little smaller. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So okay. fifty fifty could easily be one of these smaller sarlax. Where the the great sarlax in the pit of carcoon, I could see that having like a hundred hit points, hundred wound threshold. So again, it's going to come down to the role of this
2: thing. I'm actually right. staring at the stat block right now, and what I said was a adult sarlax. That's what I put on here. Ah, so, there you go. So it's it's not elder, it's not ancient, it's not an adolescent, it's an adult sarlacc. You know, it's probably about ten thousand years old. So
0: definitely, Dave's definitely Dave's recommendation if you're doing something like the pit of cocoon But for an yeah. adult, I you know, fifty sounds fine by me. These are all good suggestions.
3: Okay,
2: we got to get to nemesis because I want to know how the hell you have an unkillable nemesis with sixty. Oh my god!
0: Um. <laughs> all right, so so let let let's talk about nemesis then. Um, these, are the most in, these are the most beefy threats your PCs are going to encounter. Huh. Um, they're, 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 this, this is the the, the the wish list for GMs to make. I want to do this, I want to have that and that and everything else. So in relation to all the other things we've talked about, this is also the most time-consuming to make. Can be. And as we've seen looking around the forums, GMs can overdo it quite easily. Uh, the intent of a Nemesis is you, you'd think it's to mirror the PCs, right? Mm, no. No, exactly. You don't give it talents in the sense that, okay, I buy this and I buy that. You don't give it like the, the Marauder talent tree and just go building up from that. You build Nemesis kind of like you do Rivals. You just make them all that much better.
2: Yeah, and this is the key thing, though. For me, Nemesis are better than the PCs. Right. That's
0: the point. Rivals are supposed to rival the PCs, so if you want a good fight for them, you generally have a number of rivals equal to your PC party. Nemeses are supposed to fight your PC party by themselves, or with, with minion backup if necessary. Right. They're better than your average PC, so keep that in mind. So, as the rule of thumbs we've been talking about... Uh, Greater than 16, uh, less than 16 wound threshold is a cream puff nemesis, or more specifically, a nemesis who is not built for combat. Mm-hmm. And they've got those. They most certainly have those. Now, I want to stress this less than 16 is cream puff. Okay. Yeah. Let's restate that. <laughs> yeah. 16 to 20 wound threshold is your average humanoid nemesis. Go look in the books. That's about what they're running. And greater than 20 is a tough BBEG. Um, don't worry about talents. we'll get to that later, but as far as talents go, you'll just be assigning them. Yeah. I mean, and don't be afraid to give them three or even four ranks in talents, and we'll talk about that. Yeah.
2: Okay, what about uh, strain threshold because because nemesis have
0: strain. Right. Yes. Yes. They are. They are the only NPC type that has a strain threshold like the PCs do. Yeah. But so this is they'll kind of, be suffering strain. They will. Me- they'll be suffering strain.
2: But this is kind of odd because when you look at the examples in the book, their strain thresholds tend to be one of the few things that are not better than the PCs. No, they are kind of on par. Yeah. Um, and by that rule, I mean rule of thumb for strain threshold less than twelve strain threshold cream puff. 12, 12 to 14 is about your average, and anything higher than a 14 is going to be tough. Um, you know? Correct. So it's very interesting. Um, it also, uh, you know, a savvy PC group, you'll also, I mean, I've, I've played with savvy PCs. They'll often attack Nemesis with stun, okay? Yeah. <laughs> For a good reason. <laughs> For this reason, in fact. <laughs> yep. So, and, and like Phil said, I, don't worry about talents that increase your strain threshold. Just assign it. And we'll talk about talents in a minute. Just come up with your general strength threshold, like you come up with your general wound threshold. Don't worry about how you got there. Because it's like you said, man, you know, the, the book says you build these these guys like PCs, right? But there's that temptation to go down the talent tree. And it's just, it's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, Dave, what about skills for our rivals, man?
1: So same thing, right? You can really overthink this guy and mess it up. So you were if you were going to do four skills for the rival, rival then maybe cap it at six,
2: mm, roughly. You
1: yeah. know, maybe six, maybe maybe seven if you're really going after it. But uh, you know, just don't overthink it. Focus on a couple of primary skills for your big ranks, and uh, and then your other ones should have typically have fewer ranks. Uh, rank three in the primary combat skill, rank two in the other ones is a good average.
0: I mean, you'll find some nemesis out there with more than six, but they're they're like hot crime lord. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and even even if it's really going to be a hard nemesis, you could have multiple skills with three ranks, and really, really, really terrible ones, and and this is not recommended. Could have four, but I mean, even my big badass guy, he doesn't have any force, just three.
0: The one thing I did notice when I was looking through the nemesis that are in the books is very rarely will you find them having skills at rank one yeah almost in almost all cases they're at least at rank two and they, they do, are racking a couple at rank four um, two is the normal they 'll have a couple threes, maybe a few fours, but very rarely will you find one at one very rarely
2: now the comment you, you talked about having more than six ranked skills for like the Hut crime lords and whatever. We Mm -hmm. also have to realize that looking at it through that lens, the the stat blocks in the books are not written with a role in mind. They're intended to allow you to insert this particular nemesis in a social encounter or in a combat encounter or, you you know, wherever they need to be. So Dave's rule of thumb for, you know, roughly six skills that need to be ranked, that's... Assuming you're crafting from scratch, which means you know how this threat is going to be used. You know what I mean?
0: Precisely, precisely.
2: So th- that's you know, for people that are that are you know following you know, because Phil brought up a great point, but that's why we see that many skills for some of the tougher nemesis out there.
0: Stat blocks good for any occasion. Yes, yes. Um, um
1: don't, as usual, same the same caveat before. Don't forget about cool vigilance.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, definitely do not. Definitely give them at least one of those. Yeah, people always forget it.
1: Yeah, and then also, you know, like Chris's awesome night-level guys... Remember that they're supposed to be better than the PC, so if, if your guys have four ranks in their best skills, then Nemesis is going to go ahead and bubble them up.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's the thing, and this is why we often make custom threats. I I'm, I might have, I'll start with a night level group, and then a couple sessions in, they might have five ranks in a skill, right? I mean, or four ranks in a skill. A good Nemesis should match that or beat it, at least in a primary combat skill. That's disgusting, but that's what a Nemesis is supposed to be, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it could happen. So, okay, Phil, talk to me about talents and and abilities for nemeses.
0: I think the, it can be summed up in one sentence. Get creative, but stay focused. And do not limit yourself to tree advancement. So, in other words, find a handful of talents and abilities that epitomize this character and use them. Much like choosing talents for the rival, but go crazy. You know, look, at what, look at what you want this guy to have. Um, as far as adversary goes, minimum of adversary two. Do not be afraid to give it adversary three if this is going to be something that is supposed to be a campaign villain. Yeah. Um, Any rules of thumb? Yeah, focus on a single specialization. Find one that closely matches your concept for the nemesis, and stick with it. Grab two or three talents and give them to that nemesis. Don't worry about the prerequisites of the tree, because you're not using a tree. You're not bound by that. You can just take whatever the heck you want. Take that bottom row talent if it fits your guy. Take three of, of lethal blows or three of feral strength if it fits and don 't worry about what are their, what talents are in between the marauder because he 's not a marauder he 's a nemesis right
1: uh, um, excuse me you, you have durable but you never got you never got tough and so
0: you never got streetwise. you never got street smarts <laughs> where 's your three ranks of street smarts <laughs> <laughs> now I did say you know look at that bottom tier talents, but i 'm going to draw that back a bit. What I meant was look at the the lower rows of talents and don 't be afraid to assign those. When looking at the, the fifth row talents, then you really need to kind of consider okay, does, do I really want to give my nemesis these? Because that's, that's one of the cool of the PCs. The PCs have access to all of these talents, and you necessarily don't want to take away that, that cool factor that the, that the PCs have by giving those bottom row talents to the NPCs. I mean, if it fits, it fits. Take it, give it, go for it. But. I think, I, I, I'm i probably wrong, but I have yet to
2: find a Nemesis stat block that has the equivalent of a 5th tier talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're, they're neat tricks for the PCs, and they're probably best left to them. Yeah. Um, but the goal here is to give yourself a powerful threat with as little to remember as possible. So, if you're looking at a stat sheet, and you're looking at your talents, and you see a talent block that looks like a paragraph... Probably don't want to use it unless you have really got a reason to. Yeah. Look at talents that have like one sentence or two, tops. Those are good talents to give these them. Ne- that's those are good talents to give Nemesis Like crippling blow, nobody's fool, um, convincing demeanor, resolve two. You know th- these are these are good talents that are are quick to remember. You look, you kind of look them and go, okay, nobody's fool, great, okay, awesome. Um, upgrade difficulty to charm, coercion, deception checks targeting this character twice boom simple done now there is i I agree with everything you just said there
2: is one instance which i think is kind of our next rule of thumb for talents and abilities where Mm -hmm. you may very well end up with a small wall of text in the stat block
0: only because mechanically you kind of need to (laughs) and that is that is the force Uh uh-huh so
2: if the nemesis is a force user rule of thumb their force rating should be better than your best PCs. Period. Right. Right. All right. And they should have dastardly force powers with upgrades beyond the capacity of your average force-using PC. Yeah. And that's going to necessitate several upgrades, and you're just going to get a little creative with how you're going to do. note it in the stat block, but it needs to be there. And
0: you already mentioned Adversary, Phil, so... I did, I did, and I, I do want to point. I would do want to uh, point out one thing. Um, when I said give your adversary, uh, give them adversary two at least. Oh, I agree. Uh, that is for a campaign villain. If you're talking about a adventure villain, a nemesis for the PCs to deal with at the end of a very specific adventure, then I might give that guy rank one. Especially if you're dealing with a level, uh, a, a quote unquote low level PC party.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, I I could buy that. I still, man, adversary two, I, I was kind of in line with you, man. I want to I call an audible here. We had a very interesting question in chat okay. um, that we haven't addressed. It, it's, right. it's from Durian Caldrona. He says, what about player party size? How does that affect the build? Like if you have a two-player party or an eight-member party. And my answer is it doesn't affect the build. It affects
0: no. the number of threats in the encounter. <laughs> yes. I don't think, uh, unless you're specifically having the PCs fight one and one NPC, and I've actually got something to mention <sighs> this once we're done with all of the, uh, once we're done talking about Nemesis, I've got a, a way for Nemesis to be a threat to an eight-member party, and we'll talk about that in a minute.
3: Oh,
0: my. Um, but generally speaking, it's not going to affect the stats. I, I wouldn't have it change the stats at all, because it's not like adding those two other guys or making all your other PCs that much more skilled or have that many more talents individually. Yeah. You just have to up the number of threats so you can keep them all busy and prevent them from, from pig piling on the, the NPCs you've got. Mm-hmm. Give them something else to do. Mm-hmm. Give them reasons to, you know, if you've got a PC party of eight and you think they're going to roll your NPCs, they probably will. So you either have to up the number of NPCs they're facing or you need to give something for that so that uh, not everyone can attack. You know, maybe they have to make mechanics check to keep uh, the, a platform that they're Environmental on. Environmental the hazard. Go back. Hazards. go it's back and listen robots. to episode seven,
2: The List 2.0. So, yeah. so it's there. Okay, what about equipment? What about equipment, Dave, for, uh, yes. for nemesis? So this is,
1: <laughs> again. How much do you want to do damage wise to a PC with one hit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, that is that is that that is the thing, right? So Are we, uh, um, less than seven is going to be low power,
2: very low power,
1: eight, nine, average 10 plus is good. I don't know. Kind of following
2: that that same power scale we've been using because again, even though, and this is the question for you guys, even though, yes, they are nemeses, right? But how badly do you want them to hurt the players? (laughs) <laughs> because, again, we've talked about this, the wound thresholds, they're not increasing rapidly for your PCs. They're not. No. So, you know, what what makes a Nemesis different? They can do more because they have a proper strength threshold to use. They have talents for nasty tricks. And, typically speaking, they're going to have better gear, typically speaking. So, yeah, right. I mean, there's the damage issue, but, I mean, Dave, do you think, because Phil made the comment earlier about attachments. I mean, like, I mean, as far as nemesis and attachments and mods, I mean, is that you know it, it, that's something that that could be there. I mean, it's it's kind of another trick in the arsenal, you know.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah you're right.
2: Uh, I mean, mm.
1: I don't know. You know, weapon trick or two. I don't know. In, in my mind, it take, kind of takes a backseat to their talents, though. Mm. And the, and these guys again are better than PCs, yeah. so. You know, just remembering characteristics. You've got lots of threes, fours, maybe even a five. My guy's got a five, but he's got a bunch of ones.
2: Well, okay, so in the equipment discussion, man, talk to me about soak and armor specifically.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So soak increase is, is really, really important, right? So um it's 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 like a must for a nemesis. So you know, plus two. At least, at least. You know, for for soak increase uh, in 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 terms of armor or whatever they're wearing, combat focused nemeses will will frequently have uh, a, a point of defense from armor as well.
2: I mean, that's almost it's almost a must unless unless their role just doesn't make sense for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. You know, and as for the rest, I mean, Dave, you hit the point. You hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, yeah, they might have a weapon trick or two, but I agree with you. I think, I think those should take a backseat to their talents, mostly because, as Phil so sagely said earlier, it's more to remember. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's just, yeah.
2: Um, and characteristics. Talk to me a little bit more about this, because you'd started to talk about characteristics on this. I mean, I want to get both your feedbacks on characteristics here. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, should you see twos at all? Or maybe one or two. How many twos should you have? How many threes? How many fours? Anything more than four for your average humanoid NPC?
0: Nemesis. Uh, I would say that threes are the minimum now.
1: Mm. Threes, maybe a two here and there if they're like yeah. a, a big, big dummy. But I mean, maybe,
2: maybe
0: in like one or maybe one or two characteristics. Maybe, maybe. Don't be afraid to give. Fo- don't be afraid for fours and fives. Have a five. it's, it's, it's not unheard of.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. So, let's have some fun. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, let's craft some nemesis. <laughs> I, I don't I don't care who goes first. I can, when you guys can, who wants to go first?
1: All right, I'll go first this time. <laughs>
2: yeah, I want to hear about I want to hear about
0: Dave's uh, 60 point monstrosity.
1: <laughs> All right, so, thumbing through my uh, wonderful beta book for Force and Destiny, I find the crate dragon pearl. However, I find no crate dragon
0: true. There hasn't been one published yet. Lords and Alhud is coming.
1: So, yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense to me, but uh, this guy's massive, right? And now, granted, I gave him lots of, I gave him Brawn a five, and mm. then everything else pretty much is two. Because he's a beast at, at the end of the day. Yeah. He's just a beast. And now his soak is seven. Yeah and his wound threshold is 60. Because he's a big MFer.
2: <laughs> I like it. I was I, mean, I was questioning your wound threshold of 60, but I I actually understand it now. I mean, every reference we have of a crate dragon, if somebody kills one of these things, they have to do it with
0: like breach explosives. Yeah, <laughs> landmines.
1: Yeah. So there was okay, and then a strain of 20. And now somebody's saying that there was one in the beta for Edge, so now I'm gonna have to go look at the book because it wasn't in the book. So what?
0: Really? I don't really. I don't remember one being in the beta for Edge. I gotta find this. Keep talking.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and keep talking. Anyway, skills we've got: athletics one, brawl three, resilience three, perception three, survival three, vigilance three, vigilance,
2: vigilance. That's the ability to dance to the YMCA. Is is uh, vigilance?
1: that's right, and perception three is really because you know they can they can perceive anybody and and you know within a certain range of them on the ground, kind of like your sarlacc. You know they have that they have that almost uh, almost innate ability. Hmm. But, um. There is, uh, of course, there's I and now. Because of, the wo- because of the wound threshold and the high soak, I only gave it Adversary 1, and I'm open to you guys saying that this should be Adversary 2. At least. But he's a badass. I mean, Adversary, Crippling, bro- cl- crippling Blow, Durable 2, Feral Strength 3, Knockdown, Lethal Blow 2, Second Wind, because you might want to try and go after him with strength.
2: Okay, okay. I want to interrupt you for a sec. There are stats for a young, okay. The stats for the crate dragon are in the well. I got to caveat this. There are stats in the Edge of the Empire beta because do you guys remember the adventure in the back of the Edge of the Empire beta? Yeah, oh yeah, creative like, crates. Crate crates. They have stats for a baby, a young crate dragon. Oh, baby okay? crate. Okay. Now I, I want to put this in perspective for you and tell you, Dave, just how right you are. We're talking about a young crate dragon, okay. Brawn, five. Presence, yeah. presence, intellect, cunning, and willpower of one. Agility, three. Oh, really? Brawl, two. I... Perception, two. Survival, two. Talents, knockdown. <laughs> Soak of five. Wound threshold of 30. Okay. Um, and they've got claws and teeth.
1: Yeah, and that's what I've got. I've got claws, teeth, brawl with a damage of twelve. Um,
2: uh, so the young one brawl damage is six. Yeah,
1: uh, for I've a, got i got Pierce one. three, concussive, disorient two, knockdown, vicious two.
2: Uh, so they the, they actually give it the knockdown talent, which lets them spend a triumph to knock oh, the target down. Oh, you know prone. what?
1: I I do I do have the knockdown talent in there.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, very interesting. I, I think looking at these stats, the only thing I would change is I don't think it's big enough. I, I,
1: you you want to give it bronze six?
0: No, I want to give it silhouette three. Yeah, I, I would agree.
1: Oh, silhouette three. Yeah, I,
2: yeah. I, I gave I gave a silhouette three to my um to my sarlacc to my adult sarlacc, and that's about as big as a great dragon when you get down to it. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. No, I'm I'm totally on board. This is a this is a this is a campaign ending thing, <laughs> dude.
1: And and the reason I gave it vigilance is because and I don't know much about crate dragons but I don't think they are aggressive in nature. I think that they're more reactive.
0: Yeah, they're territorial. Yeah. I like it. Heavy
2: beefy dude. Dude. Well Phil, do you want to go next or last?
0: Um I will I'll go next. I'll go next. Okay. Um I am making a Imperial Ace along the lines of some sort of Red Baronet and type character. I mean, I know it's been done with Sunterfell, but I I'd like to kind of try to create my own. Uh, an Imperial Ace called Lady Violet.
3: Hmm.
0: Now, for this nemesis, uh this is going to be a nemesis for an an, an enemy pilot for instance. So I, you look at the role of your nemesis in addition to looking at the role of anything else we've made. So I'm thinking that she really doesn't need a high brawn. So I'm thinking brawn 2, agility 4 because she's supposed to be a hot pilot, intellect 3, cunning 2, willpower 3, and presence 4. Whoa. Whoa. I see this person as being a very this person as being very charismatic. Um, her charisma is one of the reasons why she. Her charisma combined with her ability is one of the reasons why she has become a like an imperial ace, a la the the Red Baron, you know, a, a squadron leader, an exemplar that the that the Imperials are bringing up as a as a basically a poster a, a poster child, you know. Uh, as far as physical stats go. These are probably going to be in the realm of cream puff. Soak 4. Wound threshold 16. But I gave her a strain threshold of 15. Because she is going to be burning a lot of strain in piloting combat. As far as skills go, I like the idea just have, giving, of, of playing up her agility in the case of if the PCs ever encounter this person outside of their piloting. So I want to make her agile. So I gave her coordination 2. As a hotshot imperial pilot, I gave her cool of 2. Discipline of two. Piloting, she's going to be exceptional. So I'm thinking at least a piloting, uh, piloting space of three, possibly even piloting space of four. Mm. Range light of two, in case PCs ever encounter her outside of combat, and a vigilance of four. She is a quick strike, first strike pilot. She wins because she sees opponents first, gets the drop on them, and takes them out. Mm. Talents. I go right to the pilot talent tree. I look at full throttle. I look at uh, skilled jockey, possibly two or possibly three. And dead to, uh, And I'm even thinking about giving her dead to rights, where you can spend a destiny point, at add additional damage, equal to half the agility rounded up, to one successful hit made with a ship or vehicle-mounted weaponry. She is lethal in starfighter combat, but she has a weakness. She is more takeable on the ground. Makes sense. As far as equipment goes, heavy blaster pistol because, well, that's a, a very upgraded single shot weapon. You know, it's it's an upgraded pistol. It, it's it's it makes sense for her to carry something like that, and some sort of armored flight suit like the ones that you find and stay on target. Something that gives her a good soak and gives her a defense as well, and also will help her survive in space combat if she does if her ship does get hit and gets critical injuries.
2: Very yeah. Dude, that's that's excellent. Um, God, I would hate to see her. Well, I'd hate to, I'd hate, I'd hate to play against her. Um, <laughs> I'd love to play her, though. <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Excellent use of talents. And I, I love how you stick to the one tree, but you focus on those talents with meaning and
0: you don't overdo it. That's the point.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with that.
0: Excellent, 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 excellent. Uh, Durian Caldrona asked, what's her ship? Uh, in this case, where I'd be using her in uh, in uh, the Galactic Civil War era, I'd give her a TIE Interceptor, hands down.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: probably even, I can't remember if TIE Interceptors have a a modification point, but I would most definitely use that modification point on something.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude. You know,
0: you also statted out Juno Eclipse, you realize. I, yeah, true, true. I yeah, easily could have done that, too. Yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely use those stats for Juno. Huh. Very cool. What about you, Chris? What, did you, what do you got for your nemesis? Um, uh, it is a
2: nemesis that I created for the same encounter with the Sarlacc. And, okay. Uh, so let me talk about roll first. This is a primitive, okay? This is a Nelvanian. You guys remember Nelvanians? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sort of the The kind of dog-like, tiger-like creatures from that ice planet. Yeah, more or less, right? Yeah. Um, This is a Nelvanian dark force-using priestess. Um, Who has enslaved the Sarlacc through the use of the dark side. (laughs) Okay. Um, So, uh, characteristics on her. Brawn 3, Agility 3 intellect three cunning presence and willpower at four all right um six trained skills um two ranks in cool three ranks in discipline three ranks in leadership um two ranks in perception two ranks in vigilance and two ranks in melee okay um Mostly, and, and the melee was there because she could end up having to fall back on a basic weapon, and I wanted her to be able to have to do that, okay? Um, she has a soak of four, all right? This is actually kind of low, but it's basically her brawn plus an enduring talent. She doesn't wear armor, okay? Because mm-hmm. she's a priestess.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, soak of four. Wound threshold, 20. Yeah. Strain threshold sixteen
3: mm. uh
2: defensive zero um but I have another way around that, and of f- course, force rating of three yep, all right, um adversary three
3: <laughs> yeah
0: uh-huh.
2: all right, adversary was the only talent I actually gave her. everything else was force powers, I could see that. First and foremost, she's got influence with the first control upgrade, and she has it for one reason only, the Sarlacc. Okay? <laughs> so that she can mentally manipulate it. And keep in mind her 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 discipline pool for Pete's sake is is a green and three yellows. So,
0: yeah, that's beefy.
2: It's very beefy. She can she can just demolish this thing completely, okay? In terms of of mentally controlling it. Um and it's a beast, so she can really influence it. Mm. Um. After that, I gave her three more. And, and thing is, influence it was just kind of on the stat block. I really, I, I, I hesitated. To, I, I might even take it off the final stat block and just talk about it because it's never anything she's going to use against the PCs in the encounter. You follow me? Makes it, sense. It, it's strictly there as a narrative construct. The rest of the things are things she can use against the PCs in the encounter. right, considering her her lack of defense, I wanted to give her some serious mobility. So I grabbed Enhance with three control upgrades and one range upgrade. Yep. Which means as a maneuver, she can roll the Force Die into her athletics pool, but that's not what she uses it for. It means as a maneuver, she can roll the Force Die, and if she generates a pip, she can leap horizontally or vertically to any location in medium range as a maneuver. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, and... So massive, massive uh, uh, maneuverability. The next two abilities she has are the ones that are super combat focused. I absolutely, with her three force rating, had to give her protect and unleash, or protect, yes. protect, unleash. Okay, I want her to be shooting force lightning at people. And this is the other thing too that made up for her lower soak in defense is protect. All right, now she's a dark sider, so she can only use protect on herself, but she doesn't care.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what else she gonna do? Shield right. the
2: sarlacc. She can make a so she's got protect Unleashed with range uh, upgrade one and a strength upgrade of of first strength upgrade. So when she's doing her protect, she can generate a couple dark side points, which is pretty easy for her, and make a a an average two purple difficult uh, difficulty discipline check um, to succeed, and then she can set up a protective field of energy to absorb four plus the number of successes on that check in energy damage from the next attack and she can spend dark side pips to add extra successes um additional dark side pips so i mean like in the first round of combat that we did this we had a sniper in the party with that ridiculous sniper rifle you know the one i'm talking about yeah took a bead on her and took a shot hit okay (laughs) but she had her defensive field set up and with her soak and this power up she took a grand total of four wounds.
3: <clears throat>
2: okay. Um she can invert the power for unleash so she can blast force lightning at these people. Um uh and 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 really kick some booty. Because force lightning is fun. It is very fun. But what oh. is more fun to me is the very last power I gave her which was bind. Ah I didn't want to make it too disgusting because it's a pretty disgusting power on its own so I just gave her the one range one upgrade for it so um, basically uh, uh, she can um, she can spend an extra pip to increase the range to medium if she wants to okay otherwise it's short range but she she rolls it um, and you know makes makes the opposed discipline check right mm-hmm and and uh, I use that sidebar rule. Um, uh, Darno Darno actually reminded me of it uh, in our session last night. It was very—I was like, "Oh, of course, yes, thank you," Um, because I forgot to put it in the stat block initially. And not only can you immobilize a target, but you can deal wound damage that bypasses soak, equivalent to the the uh, the number of pips you spend on the check. (laughs) Mm. So it's just—it's disgusting and crazy. Um, Her equipment is one. Item, uh, she has a, a melee weapon to fall back on in case she needs it, um, which is a, a, a ceremonial obsidian dagger. And I, you know, from a damage perspective, it's not doing a whole lot. Um, I figured it, it's obsidian, it's jagged, it's probably, you know, I want it to be very vibro knife ish in quality. Um, sure. um, so uh, with, her, with her brawn the way it is, it, it, does, it does a base damage of, of four, so three plus one, okay. Um, sure. It's got a critical of three, um, so not that great. It's not as easy to crit, but it's got Pierce Two and Vicious One because it's an obsidian blade and those things are pretty nasty. Mm. Um when they when they cut you. They're they're designed to make very, very lasting injuries. So not only can they penetrate easily, but when they do hit you, it's gonna be a pretty nasty wound. Owie. Um so mm. yeah, there's my Nelvanian Dark Shaman Priestess.
1: It's badass.
0: It's very badass. Um now I did mention that there was one thing I wanted to bring up at the very end of this, and I wanted to, especially when talking about nemesis, I wanted to bring out an honorable mention about something like it's talked about in the Edge of the Empire GM screen and is revisited a little bit in the Inquisitor creation section of the Force and Destiny beta, and that is the idea of an enhanced nemesis. If you have a nemesis that is specifically going to be taking on the party by itself, or the or something that's just supposed to be just utterly badass, like a, a campaign villain, uh, Imperial Inquisitor, the idea of using an enhanced nemesis, where this one character is supposed to take on a party, and getting back to Durian's question, how do you handle a party of eight characters, will maybe make your nemesis an enhanced nemesis, where you add a second initiative slot for the nemesis at the very end of the round and the nemesis can actually take two full sets of actions per round
2: that's nasty
0: it is nasty and I, I use it in for one specific NPC in my gen con game because he they basically take on the party pretty much by themselves and you know it's it's a, it's a group of six so one nemesis versus six you're still gonna. Those six PCs are still. You know, even though your your nemesis is that much better than the PCs, it's getting pounded on by six people all at once. Yeah. So this just gives them them a little more extra boost to to show how badass they are. Use that sparingly. Think about if the situation that calls for it. Otherwise, you don't you don't need to use that rule. But if you've got an NPC you really want to. Just show the PCs how much better than everything that this person is. Think about using enhanced Nemesis.
2: Excellent suggestion.
0: Well, I think there's some (laughs) badass NPCs we made.
2: (laughs) That is. Guys, that was a lot of fun. Thank you both. Um, uh, Very, very nice work from both of you. Um, guys, that was a very long meet. We sincerely hope this has helped you. This, this was, this is a request we've had for a while from a lot of different people. And this is, you know, of our years of running and jamming the systems, just some of the best tips and tricks we can give you on crafting your own NPCs. And hopefully, uh, it, it has rubbed off and I hope you can take our rules of thumb to heart. But, uh, thank you all. Um, right now we're going to stop down for five minutes, uh, to welcome back very pl- pleasantly, Uh, A return to the show, uh, the newest installment of a much-loved listener bit that's been far too long in hiatus from D20 Radio's own Agent Shades, What a Piece of Junk, Uh, which takes us to the heart of every used ship salesman to review the ins and outs of starships in the books. So let's take a look and see what Shades has for us this week.
3: piece of junk!
4: She'll make point .5 past light speed. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. I've made a lot of special modifications myself. Ah, welcome back. You're just in time. I told you last time I was working on acquiring something special from a friend on Malastare, and, well, it's, it's not here yet. The financing just hasn't worked out yet. Uh, In the meantime, I've got this. It's a Lambda-class shuttle, and I'm just about to take her up for a test flight around the planet. Feel like joining? Of course you do. Oh, uh, let me introduce you to my R2 unit, Twitch. He's here in case anything on our little shakedown run needs to be fixed. I often find used ships need a little bit of attention when I first acquire them, and Twitch is well up to the task. Speaking of ships, don't let how common this Lambda shuttle is fool you. It's a pretty special piece of engineering. Let's just get it up into orbit and we'll take her through her paces. Hey, strap in! The Lambda shuttle is a favorite of the empires for people carrying and shuttling small cargo loads down from orbiting ships. It's Silhouette 4, and while most ships of this size struggle with sluggish handling and balance issues, the dorsal stabilizer, you know, it looks like a vertical third wing running along the top of the ship, it gives the Lambda enough stabilization to handle pretty well, actually. The combination of stabilization and size come together to mean the Lambda has a handling score of zero, so no penalties or bonuses there. ''Shades, you hutspond idiot. I left my ship with you specifically because I didn't want the Empire to find those credits. And you just hand them over. I thought we were friends!'' (laughs) Now, wait a minute, foire. I didn't even know anything was in that ship. I I was just getting it ready for the lot when...'' ''You were going to sell my ship. Burns and shades. I thought this old pirate could trust you. But you've proven me wrong.'' Nobody crosses far and keeps all their molecules together. Fear feck! We got a Z-95 headhunter on the scopes coming in fast. This shakedown run just got serious. Oh, don't worry. The Lamba has four armor points and a total of three shield points, distributed with two up front and one in the back. Let's just power those up, and then we can think about getting out of here. With three speed, we're fast for a shuttle, but not fast enough to outrun a starfighter like the Z-95 headhunter Flaar's flying. Our best bet is to make a run for the planet and hope we get close enough to a protected airspace to scare him off. The shields should keep us safe until then, and if they don't, this ship has 25 hull trauma and 15 system strain that should buy us time to get out of Dodge. What was that? Twitch? Oh, the engines are gone? Oh, looks like somebody rolled a triumph. Great! Twitch says we're still inside the planet's gravity well, which means, to be frank, we're being pulled in and we're going to crash. Oh, but don't panic! Uh, I can fix this, or at least make it survivable. Here, uh, take the controls for a second while I deal with our immediate problem. Unfortunately, he's behind us, and we can't maneuver to bring our forward-mounted light laser cannons or the front-facing blaster cannons to bear, especially with no engines. However... The Lambda has a few surprises up her sleeve, not the least of which is these babies. Come on, stay on target, stay on target. (laughs) Such one that, you son of a Sarlacc. Rear-mounted blaster cannon surprise. I don't think I killed him, but with us already going down, he isn't likely to make another pass at us with me on the guns. Not overly brave, that foire. Okay, so we're going to hit the planet. That's the bad news. Uh, the worst news is that as we hit the planet, the entire bulk of the shuttle is going to come crashing straight through the cockpit. It's good to have space for 200 encumbrance worth of cargo or 20 passengers when you're airborne, but it's definitely not something you want to get crushed under. Um, ah, fortunately for us, the Lambda has one more trick that makes it very popular with VIPs who use it as a personal craft. The whole front cockpit detaches from the body of the vessel and acts as an escape pod. It'll be a rough landing, but I think we now have a good chance of making it. Strap in, and Twitch, make sure you're magnetically locked onto something. Oh, I've got a bad feeling about this.
2: To be continued. (laughs) <laughs> well done shades That sounds like a problem a serious serious problem. <laughs> that is a phenomenally produced segment and kudos to him for making uh, teaching us about starship tats, stats so dang entertaining um, mm-hmm. Very, very well done All right well, I think it's time that we get to some listener questions.
1: Sounds good to me Na nah. <laughs>
3: He doesn't seem to take a hint, this guy.
1: I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message.
4: Messages from the edge. Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance.
2: Messages. <laughs> hey, that's my bit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Messages from the Edge Gamer Nation, our regular show segment where we take the time from our busy, busy schedules (laughs) to answer game and rules questions about the system. But how can you get us these questions you might ask? Dave, how can people get us these amazing questions?
1: Telepathy. Uh,
2: That works, but my my discipline is not too good. Carry your
3: picture.
2: Smoke signals? I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's there's several ways. There's several ways.
1: Falconry. Okay, so go to the forums, right? www.d20radio.com slash forums. Register. Go to the Order 66 podcast boards. There will be a messages from the Ed's thread stickied there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this could be anything. Anything you want. You can email us, Chris at d20radio.com, Dave at d20radio.com, Phil at d20radio.com. You can also, of course... If you have the cojones, call the voicemail. D20 Radio Hotline, 262-D20 Radio, 262-320-7234. Wahoo. And we still have several female anatomy parts that just refuse to call.
2: Yeah, you know, it's been a while. It's been a few episodes since we've gotten calls, guys. Come on, get them in. Get them in. It's okay. Your voices can go on the air. It's all right. They seem to love the forums, though. Good gravy! Yeah.
1: That's mm. because they get they get you know they get more they get more responses on the forums. They get immediate gratification. They
2: don't have to wait yeah. two weeks.
1: This is we, very this is very tricky. We, yes, exactly. We are slow by comparison. So, speaking of that, here is a question from Austin Catan. He says, "I got a good question. I thought of." while looking at several talents today the talents in questions are the likes of improved field commander hunter's quarry full throttle biggest fan etc and signature abilities like last one standing all these require you get a successful check against a set difficulty some of them have added effects spelled out for triumph advantage but what about additional successes? What should you do if you get four successes on a check? And for the talents of these types that don't have additional effects for advantage and triumph, what should you do when you get those on a roll?
3: Hmm. That's a very good
0: question.
1: You get an extra helping of butter because you are on a roll.
0: I like that. That works. Next question. No, no. <laughs> okay, Austin. So, you're right. Many talents, and even some skills, state what happens when you roll more than one success on a check. Generally, the more successes, the greater the effect of using the skill. Now, that, isn't, that doesn't always have to be the case, and per Raw, these talents that you call out, and any others like them, do not have, or rather, do not state any additional effects when you generate more than one success. These talents specifically are just pass or fail when it comes to what they do. And I think trying to give them any additional benefits from pure successes would make them a little imbalanced. I wouldn't, for example, give a ship one more point of speed for every success or two additional successes generated for the use of full throttle. That could just be broken. If anything, those extra successes are simply just style points and show how gifted that particular character is at that specific ability. Now, on your second question, I'd say that any additional advantage generated for these checks when a result isn't spelled out what you can spend advantages on, you can just use them in the way that normal advantages are spent. Pass along boost dice, apply setbacks to opposition, heal some strain, etc. Your GM could decide to allow an increased effect with advantage along the lines of what it states for the skill being used. Maybe that full-throttle use of piloting reveals a weakness of an enemy craft in pursuit as they scramble to try and keep up with your now-increased speed. This is a spelled-out use for advantages in the piloting skill. Maybe with enough advantage, your GM would allow you to affect one additional person with your field commander use of leadership. Now, basic leadership checks talk about using advantage to affect an additional bystander per advantage rolled, so maybe your GM would allow that. I think when used in conjunction with these talents, I'd have these beneficial effects cost more, though. Affect an additional person for two or three advantage, or pass along a boost die for two advantage instead of one, just to keep things a little more balanced. That's what I think, anyway. What about you guys?
2: I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. um, I'm a fan of using the... What would typically be considered combat effects of advantage and, and uh, threat and uh, triumph and despair for these kinds of supplementary checks. To give you a great example, in the game I was playing last night, um, one of the fellows who's actually in chat right now was playing with me, and that would be Dr. Xerox. Um, and Doc Xerox was playing a, uh, a super politico, okay? Um, he had both improved inspiring rhetoric and improved skating tirade, okay? Um, <clears throat> again, night level character. Uh, there was at one point in time that he made a, one of his excellent inspiring uh, rhetoric, improved inspiring rhetoric checks, you know, to give boost to the whole, to several members of the party and, and uh, restore strain. But he rolled a couple threat. And narratively, I was like, okay, wow, well, you succeeded wonderfully, but you really strained your voice. <laughs> all right? So we're going to translate that threat into strain, all right? The same way I would on an attack roll. Um, during the same session, in one of the last encounters, he used... Uh, uh, uh skating tirade on a group of NPCs, and uh, he ended up ended up rolling a um, or, no no. It was no it was it was it wasn't skating tirade. It was improved. Uh, it was uh, inspiring rhetoric again. Improved inspiring rhetoric, but he ended up rolling a triumph. And without me even saying anything, I, I, I mean, I said like, "What do you want to do with it?" He said, "Okay, well, I normally give a boost die to you know uh, all these PCs. Can I spend this triumph and instead of giving a boost to one of the PCs, can I give him a free upgrade instead?" And I was like, "That's freaking brilliant! Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's Makes the sense. that's the kind of stuff you want to do with it. But it just has to do with kind of getting creative and drawing from what you already know. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah." Yep.
1: I think the rule I ask myself is, you know, is this one of those things that's a binary state? Right? It's either a success or a fail. It's like being pregnant. You're not if you if you if you have a successful pregnancy, you're not going to have a better baby. You're <laughs> just going to have the baby, right? So you know. I'm just saying.
2: Well, it depends. An unsuccessful pregnancy could lead to a worse off baby, but hey, you
1: know, <laughs> you know that I didn't want to go there, but you know.
2: But then that's a fail.
1: Maybe you're like more. You're you're not any more or less pregnant. It's a binary state right? Fair enough. You <laughs> there know. you go. I mean, it's like arm wrestling. You win or you lose. I, but I rolled a triumph. Oh, maybe the guy can't use his gun for an hour. Who hey,
2: you don't win or you lose. Alright, you win or you lose. Over the top! Because
1: uh. <laughs> I can't keep say I can't keep from saying bro. 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 <laughs>
0: that is perhaps my favorite commercial from that whole series now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Meathead Rob Lowe. I <laughs> can't
2: keep saying bro, bro. Bro.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so the next question comes in from the M01E.
2: I think that's the mole.
1: Oh, okay. The mole. I'm about to start my third Edge of the Empire campaign, and I'm expecting a Force-sensitive exile to start in the game. From last time I ran a game with an FXS, FSX, I like how he throws me with the acronym there. Shouldn't that be FSE? Anyway, not should, important.
0: But
2: I think it, it, well, it's, it's are cool. Well, how do you, it, that, it, well, then you wouldn't be able to differentiate between Force-sensitive Emergent and Force-sensitive Exile. So.
1: Oh, very, very good. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, Chris, for the point. All right, so from the last time you ran a game with a Force-sensitive Exile, there were two differing opinions on when to roll the Force die to activate a power. A majority of the opinion—let's stop right there. You're the GM. You are the majority. A majority of the opinion of the table was that you included the die in the same pool that you were making the check with. My interpretation of the rule is when you rolled it, you rolled it separately before making the check, reducing the metagaming use of dark side pips. What is the correct way? Hey, I always remember Krista using it beforehand.
2: Didn't we just answer this? It was not from the mole. It was from an, it was from somebody else.
1: Could but,
0: be. But, yeah, okay. well, Well... Then let's just reiterate it for everyone else who, like the mole, may have missed that last question.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, page 274 of the Edge of the Empire rulebook talks about the Force die. And on page 278, it talks about activating Force powers and using those Force dice. Activating a Force power is an action, and the power is considered to be successfully activated no matter what you roll for your power points. I'm using this as a preface. I'm going somewhere with this. You roll your available force dice at the beginning of any force power use where the effect is determined by the number of power points generated. After you determine the result of the roll, the action ends. Now, as your question states, there are specific times when you use a force power when the use of a force power states that you make a skill check of some sort to use a particular effect. The rules actually do tell us when these dice are rolled. Allow me to grab some of these examples. Influence has a control upgrade where it states the user makes an Opposed Discipline versus Discipline check with a living target, making an Influence power check as part of that pool. When you use Move to hurl an object at a target to deal damage, you make a Discipline check with a difficulty equal to the silhouette of the object being thrown, making a Move power check as part of that pool. (laughs) Jumping to Force and Destiny, the Heal power has an upgrade that reads roll a hard medicine check as part of the pool to activate the power.
2: I'm sensing a theme.
0: Yes. Each text is spelling out that these force dice are rolled as part of the check. So you roll all your dice at the same time and interpret the results. This actually helps the narrative. During the use of move, for instance, if a player rolls enough of their disciplined skill to hit, but doesn't generate enough light side points, they could feel that they've tapped into the dark, but if, but... They would have enough points if they tapped into the dark side. Then, in the narrative, the character's own frustrations and growing hatred towards the person he is attacking taints their use of the force. The character can either choose to use the dark side points and smash his foe with the object, or they realize they are tapping into the dark side and choose to let the effect go, resisting the lure of the dark side one more time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you and you, you are the GM. If you want them to roll the force dice as beginning of the action before they're making any, like for the, for example, for move, before they make their discipline check to see if they hit, that's up to you. But just one thing to keep in mind they're activating the force power. The force power activates regardless of what they roll for activating pips. So their action is burned.
2: I agree with what Phil just said, but mole. Let me give you a piece of advice. Don't make that decision as a GM. <laughs> just just don't. Yeah. Because it, it rolling all the dice together allows your player to know whether they succeeded on the discipline check before they decide to spend dark side pips or not. Yep. Um, that may seem metagaming to you, but it is, it is it is a benefit to the player, and you always want to make the decision that's going to be most beneficial to your player, especially when it's in line with the text of the rules. Okay? <laughs> Not
0: only that, but it also adds a little bit more of that lore of the dark side aspect to things. Yep, yep. Man, this is going to work if I use those two dark side points. Hmm. Yep. (laughs) That's okay. That's part of the temptation. Part of the fun. So, my recommendation, go by what the rule states. Roll everything at once. Yep. It just makes the narrative flow a lot smoother. Yep. So, do we have one more?
1: Oh, yeah, we do. This is from Jedi Ronin. He says, the rules state that if you fail to add a mod to an attachment that you cannot add that particular mod again. What does this mean exactly? Let's take the... What is that supposed to be in these show notes? The
2: El, yeah, yeah, the
1: Ilum. Ilum, lightsaber, crystal. You fail to add the second plus one damage mod to the crystal. Does that mean you can no longer add any damage mods, or do you only have two plus one damage mods left? There being four total, the first one being successfully added. Thanks.
0: Good question. Now, before I answer this question, I would like to apologize to two of my uh, PCs and friends, Kristen and Tim, because at the table during that game session two weekends ago, I got it wrong. (laughs) But I got it wrong in your benefit, so it's all good. Modifying your weapons and adding armor are key elements to this game, and for giving your characters that extra edge over the opposition – Leveling up your gear in this system isn't as critical as a game like 4th edition D&D, but it is expected that the characters adventure and gain resources, and that some of those resources will be spent to upgrade your gear and equipment. So, the rules pretty clearly state, as you say, that if you fail a mechanics check to attach a specific modification, then you can't try to make that modification again. So if you're trying to get the plus one accuracy mod on a forearm grip attachment on a blaster carbine and fail you can't try to make that modification on that particular attachment again. You basically drill the wrong place or snap a key part while trying to make the mod. Trust me, I have a lot of personal experience with this sort of thing in costuming. (laughs) If you are dead set on getting that plus one accuracy mod, and who wouldn't, you have to strip the old forearm grip out, go buy a new one, reattach it, and try the mod again. Now, it doesn't clearly state it, but in the event that the attachment offers multiple mods of the same type, like the Ilum Crystal's plus-one damage mods, has four of them, then failing to the roll on one of those mods reduces the number available. So that particular Ilum Crystal can now only ever have three plus-one damage mods, assuming you succeed at the other uh, the other two mechanics checks. It does not mean that if you failed the second mod, that the third and fourth mods are now inaccessible and can never be attempted, for example.
2: Yeah. And Phil, I want to point out on this. um, I did a little bit of research on this particular question myself. Sure. Um, This is not just Phil and our opinion. This has been dev clarified um, specifically on the FFG forums. And I I think the confusion comes in with the wording, you know, you can't attempt that mod again. Well, that mod, if that mod exists four times, it's like, okay, I can't attempt it ever again. No, like that mod, like that one instance of that mod, right? Right. I mean, like, you know, if if the forearm grip had two plus one accuracy mods you could do and you failed the first one, you could still attempt the other one, right? It's just, yeah, anyway, okay.
0: Now, I I do want to call out a personal choice of mine, and I think this is a perfect opportunity for an expanded use of a talent that kind of doesn't get much love in the game as it exists right now, the inventor talent. Ooh, what spec is that? Um, that is the, uh, I believe it's Outlaw Tech, and I know it's Artisan. I don't know if there's any in the Age of Rebellion that get the Inventor Talent, but I know that the Outlaw Tech gets Inventor, and the Artisan gets Inventor.
2: Ooh, I'm pulling up now.
0: Now, the inventor, ta- the, the inventor Talent says that when you are making equipment or modifying equipment, you get to either reduce setback dice or get boost dice equal to the number of ranks you have in Inventor. Now, we really don't have a codified system for creating gear yet. And I think that's coming shortly, probably within whatever tech book comes out, you know, for for Edge of the Empire, however many months down the line that will be. Mm -hmm. But I think a GM would be well within their rights and privilege as enabler of the rule of cool to allow a character with the inventor talent to fix the damaged attachment. I'm just spitballing ideas here, but have the character make a mechanics check with a difficulty equal to the number of mods the attachment has already, plus one for the failed mod. Fixing it would cost 25% of the cost of the original attachment, for instance. Maybe minus 5% per additional success to a minimum of 10% of the original cost of the attachment. Hmm. Triumph and Advantage could be used to give insight into the modification itself, granting a boost or upgrade on the skill check to make that reattempt on the mod. While Threat and Despair means that the repair was either shoddy or simply unstable due to the limited parts at hand, applying upgrades and setbacks to the difficulty of that reattempt. Just my two cents. Hmm.
1: I like it. What, what do you guys think? I would subscribe to your publication.
0: Yes, I, I,
2: I, uh, I'm in line with your thinking and would like to subscribe to your publication. Yes, sir.
0: I mean, because the inventor, ta- the inventor talent spells out. It's probably some of that future-proofing and, and laying groundwork for future editions where it talks about making gear and making things so it's obviously at some point in the future we're going to get rules for fi- out and out making equipment in the meantime I just think that this is a, a, a neat use of that talent and gives someone a reason to pick up the inventor talent you know yeah oh and someone pointed out that the scientist uh, gets inventor in, the age, in uh, age of Rebellion so there you go it's in all three books that that man that
2: honestly makes sense Um Hmm. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I like this recommendation. It's good. But um, hope that answers your question there, Jedi Ronin. Uh, it's, a, it, it, it's a good one. So, there we have it. Well, gentlemen, it is about that time. Ah, good episode, guys. Thank you. It was a fun time. Ah, very tremendous. Um, very, very tremendous. So, next up on the docket, uh, we are trying our hardest to get an episode together uh, to cover Stay on Target, which obviously has just been released, um, wrangling with... Uh, we we want to we try and have two very special guests on who worked on the book to talk about that, and we're trying to get their schedules in line. We're shooting for our next episode for that. If that can't come together, we may end up having to push it out by an episode. We will most likely be returning to, well, isn't that special, to cover the other... Uh, universal Force specialization that we started to cover with the F was it FSX was that it Dave yes. <laughs> and actually be talking about the force sensitive emergent um, and doing a bit of a build off there which we've already kind of hinted at and I'm very excited about so hey
1: woohoo <laughs> hey is it safe to say that we will not have a show on our normal two week schedule next why not. Unless you, oh, unless run, you want that's to right. ahead with the Super Bowl. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, that is the Super Bowl.
1: Yep.
2: Holy cow, that's the that's the day of the Super Bowl. And
1: yeah. I know one guy who's going to want to watch um, the Patriots get killed.
2: Okay. Okay. Um. Wow. Okay. That's really rough. Okay. Wow. We we'll need that. we that's need good. to talk to our guests. Either way, yeah. It, it's it, even if it's that weekend, it's not going to be the Sunday. Um. Yeah. There's just no way. Um. For Pete's sake, nobody would listen. <laughs> literally (laughs) literally nobody would listen anyway okay good good call dave thank you but uh so guys aside from these suggestions we have many others that are out there you guys can head to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums post up what you'd like us to talk about uh, any specializations or other discussions that you want us to delve into we will we have books galore coming more special guests planned on the docket and a few other tricks up our sleeve but it's there in the meantime Become a member of the Gamer Nation yourself, register at the forums, email us, and leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast by giving us a call at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. So, thank you all. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming.
0: And keep the dice rolling. And may the dice be with you. <laughs>
1: This podcast and related website are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, the Walt Disney Corporation, 20th Century Fox, or Fantasy Flight Games. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names, pictures, or references to any Star Wars vehicles, characters, or other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited, Fantasy Flight Games, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including audio, visual, or textual information, is the Intellectual Property of the Order 66 Podcast and the Gamer Nation LLC. It's
0: And with that thrilling, come-from-behind victory by Seattle, and that no one absolute is listening. No one is listening.
1: No one is listening to you.
0: Why? Dang
1: it. What? That music no longer brings me happiness. It's, it's the music they use when Green Bay scores a touchdown. People have <laughs> listened to this for years and years and years. No, that's why I put it in the show. And Green Bay folded like an old chair in the second half.
0: Yeah, they did, didn't
1: they? Oh my god!
0: They 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 had that game, man. They I, had it. I, you know
1: what the the whole t- the whole tide turned when I don't even know I don't remember who the I'm so pissed off I don't remember who the defensive coordinator is for the Packers decided to play the prevent on a third and nineteen. What the f? Uh, yeah. They pick that up. They go down. They score, and then all of a sudden it's just a shoot match.
0: I, I, you know what surprises me the most about that game. The number of turnovers by the winning team.
1: X you just yeah. got kicked out of the forms.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so they failed to pack the meat? Oh, that's fantastic. Oh.
1: Uh. Keldrona, your ticket to Gamer nation con has been canceled.
0: <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't believe it. How do you how do you
1: how do you blow the biggest lead in the history of the NFC championship game?
0: Yeah. And with especially with with that many turnovers by the other team.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't put it in the ball. The, the
0: Seahawks basically handed
1: them the game. And yeah. and they, they yeah. And still it all came down to one big oaf who couldn't make a catch on a ball that was just right there in the air. And he let it clank right up his helmet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm with I'm with Austin and Chad. I've been unhappy for a week. Cowboys loss mm. pissed me off. Yeah. I'm yeah. um, I'm sorry. That that's just you you watch i will bet you i will bet you money in the off season that rule is over to, that rule is changed
1: oh sure but it wasn't the rule that killed him. it was a fumble on a sure touchdown
2: yeah uh, yeah but well n- no but uh, uh okay without that rule uh I- i'm sorry we would have we would have got we would've gotten the touchdown in one more down and we we it, it would have been over we would have had it if
1: we would have just come down and kicked field goal so i mean nah. But if DeMarco Murray runs and scores that touchdown and doesn't fumble, the ball game is, is over in the third quarter. I swear to God. They but, the, but, the,
2: but the fact that they consider it a fumble. Wait, are you and I talking about the same play?
1: No, we're talking, I'm talking about in the third quarter, DeMarco Murray had a giant hole for a 40-yard touchdown and oh, then fumbled yeah. the ball. I remember that, yeah. And the Cowboys are already up. But, yes, my wife was pissed off last week. That is true. Because the Cowboys lost. And I couldn't. I mentioned the Packers once and I almost got killed at my in-laws' house.
3: <laughs> That's and, not cool.
1: Anyway, I'm talking about the what would have kind of put the dagger in the heart of. of uh, of Green Bay would have been Demarco Murray scampering for that touchdown. Now the the Des thing, yeah, I think it was a catch. I think he made. I think he took three steps and stretched for the end zone, which in my mind is absolutely the, a football move. The, but
2: but yeah. but yeah, that is that is an act of football. But I'm sorry when 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 you've got Chris Collinsworth and Howie Long up in the booth, like that's not an act of football, okay? Yeah, I, I'm. Nope. I'm, I'm <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Johnson couldn't even speak. He was he was he was just that disgusted.
2: I I yeah. I just that that blows me away because that was a phenomenal play. It was it was it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was phenomenal. It was
1: as a GM, I would apply rule of cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we're gonna have uh, some fun football discussions come Gamer Nation Con, uh, yeah, which is I hope so just just around the corner. Um, very oh, exciting. by the way,
1: there, there are only three seats left. If you guys want to play in my massive, epic board game pentathlon. Explain. This is uh, over, over a course of eight hours, we will play five board games in a row.
2: My God. Yes,
1: that's five board games in a row, including Roll for the Galaxy and some other good, like Power Grid. Like some really good meaty games. Dude. Yes.
0: Oh. Are are you advertising what the five games are? Or
1: yes, yeah, it's on the it's on gamer Na, it's on the Gamer Nation console.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah. What you can't spit them off off the top of your head?
1: Uh, I don't. I forgot what they were off the top of my head, but I can look it up real quick. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like you yeah, it's like four seconds, right? But <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, you guys, if you guys, I, I would very much love to uh, to be able to um, share, you know, all that stuff, and it's a. Uh, Okay, if I remember correctly, I put it on Saturday, but before Bang Dice starts. Okay, you know because the oh no no I take it back I take it back I put it on Friday.
2: Yeah, I was going to say because Saturday afternoon that's going to be rough. Yeah.
1: It's Friday from two to ten, and it's the board game. It's called the Board Game Heptathlon, and it is Lords of Waterdeep with Skullport, God, Power Grid, Dixit, Machikoro. and I had Robo Rally. But I since changed Robo Rally to Roll for the Galaxy.
2: Good, cool, good, good, good substitution. Um, Wow, that's a that's a very diverse crew of games you got there. That's excellent. Yeah, Um,
1: and you know what? I think I had to kill Roll for the Galaxy because I think Roll only supports four. um, Yeah, and this is for five people. So, Uh, and they get to play with me, which is you know in and of itself could be bad, but uh, you know I tried to make it diverse because you know Machi Koro is not heavy strategy. It is. It is kind of luck based. Dixit is uh, is apples to apples with pictures. Power Grid, Lords of Waterdeep are more you know strategy, but one is a strategy. The other one's worker placement. Um, power Grid is more resource management, and then of course Robo Rally is just flat out chaos.
2: <laughs> Robo Rally is fun. Yeah. The the events that are exciting me the most are we are going to have we're planning on having a panel with our special guests, um, or at least or at least uh, three of them um, on Saturday. Uh, uh, afternoon um that is going to be a uh a voice acting panel um you know maybe about an hour long um, about bringing character to your voice acting um which should benefit any gm out there uh but between chloe dykstra sam Whitwer, and natalie cox we'll have some experienced voice actors uh here I with us i so and mm-hmm. uh, that panel will actually be moderated by donnie bain Um, who's our, um, on hiatus because he's a teacher and his life's insane right now. Um, our, our, the, the author and creator of our galactic adventures. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, segment here on the show. So burgeoning voice actor himself. Nice. Um, Looking forward to that. Also, we're going to have a very special panel, uh, with Sam Stewart, of course, our other guest of honor, um, who is going to be, this is going to be absolutely fascinating, Um, This is Sam's brainchild, and he wants to do this, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's going to be an hour-long panel, and it is about adjudicating and rolling with curveballs that are thrown at you in your Star Wars FFG games. And the way this panel will work is, he wants people to come with scenarios that will be adjudicated live by him and others on the panel. Uh, So I think that is going to be absolutely brilliant. Um the other thing that's exciting me from an event perspective is Donnie and Brev and like two other people are creating a mashup of X Wing and Imperial Assault. Um or excuse me, Rebel Assault. No uh, Imperial Assault. Oh Imperial no, Assault, excuse Imperial me. Assault, yeah. Yeah. Um that it, so, you're having a ground battle and a space battle at the same time, and it's going to be a delve event where it's literally with these ridiculously hard custom scenarios. And it's how far can you and your group get? And the winner, uh, during this series of plays, uh, will get a very special award. So, um, that's going to be kind of sick,
1: if, man.
0: I've
2: got to pick up Imperial
0: Assault if you win it, it's expensive, but it's worth it. I know.
2: And, and, I know. You know not
1: not for, for a game this expensive. Sometimes you know. Although I say support your FLGS at all times, but cool stuff ink you can get it for sixty nine bucks.
0: God, that's thirty bucks off. Wow, how much is shipping?
1: Uh, it 's free if you spend seventy five so i think uh...
0: <laughs> i 'll find something else
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll find uh, i 'll find something to push out that extra five bucks i mean i wonder, I wonder what what 's running for on amazon I got to check that uh, from what i saw it wasn 't running too much cheaper really but that was a little while ago uh... because I think Amazon is going through like all their resources although who knows who knows i don 't yeah. know
2: big big titles Amazon does a lot of fulfillment on their own now let 's see. Uh it's about oh it's seventy one seventy one ninety nine not that bad and um I'm a prime member, so that means a uh, free, free free two day shipping. free two day shipping for me I'm a prime member for another couple of weeks hmm. <laughs> hmm. it's it's but it's so sexy, Phil, it's so sexy. The minis are so amazing. Oh dude, um, it's not
0: a question of wanting it. it's utterly a question of affording it. Oh I know, I know <laughs> but uh it's 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 just it's just it's just rocket sex right. it's amazing and then, and then actually i got to admit that there is that, that armada is a little bit higher on my priority list of of beautiful sexiness that i want from FFG my mm. god that game is gorgeous it's not out yet though
2: man i oh god
1: by the way the dice arrived for this year's gamer nation con god
2: they look Ooh.
0: good they look so good oh uh, they look fantastic no They've- teasers no teasers i i like the surprise and see the color combo
2: <laughs> well, if you've seen the logo for Gamer Nation Con Two Electric Boogaloo, you already have a sense of the color combo. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, right. if
1: you'll notice, our our our, um, our logos for Gamer Nation Con have an eerie resemblance to the way the dice look. It's really funny that one.
2: Yeah, they did last year. They will this year. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Tis amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, tis tis absolutely amazing. So, um, dude, uh, I got to play. Uh, a very lengthy session of of Star Wars last night. <laughs> I heard what was it two am? Um, we we ended up calling it at one thirty five. Started at seven. Ooh, uh, yeah, it's a good six hours, almost uh, seven. So, uh, I mean, uh, the intent was for it for to be a five hour session. We went an hour and a half past, and it was play testing this module, and it was like it was such an amazing experience because you know I had a really solid group. And it was one of those things, you know, as, as, as you do, like like you do, you know, you write a module, you always play test it, and figure out what you need to cut and tweak out of it. But, of the, but the group I had last night, um, you know, uh, uh, God, I'm trying to think of who was there. There was IS Destroyer, we had Doc Xerox, we had Dono, um, we had uh, uh, JP Nat 20, Justin Perot. Uh, we had, oh gosh, those of you who are still in the chat, who was in there, never Listen was in there. Um, who is my sixth it'll come to me but these are all really good role players and it was one of those things that I was privileged to be able to share this module with them first um, and really get their experienced play hands on it and feedback and everyone had a great time um, but when it was done, it was just a, a lot of fun and a real tightening of the experience. And it was my first time in a lengthy full game session running night level play beyond just a simple encounter. So um, that was a, it was a huge learning experience for me. And I will tell you right now that 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 chisel makes the game long. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful. Um, there was there was a lot of analysis paralysis. Um, that that occurred, and that was that was uh uh it was it, it was a lot of analysis paralysis that occurred. Quite frankly, um, people that were were waiting to figure out what their abilities were, and, and this and that. So, oof, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, but it was it was a it was an absolute it was an absolute blast. Let's see. Okay, well, okay. My six. Chuck Thornton, Thorin. Uh, Doc Xerox, John, Ste- John Stevens, uh, Josh Taylor, Justin Perot, and Kevin Malone, IS Destroyer. Those are my six. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, we had. they were phenomenal. We had an absolutely great time. And two characters from Age, two characters from Edge, two characters from Force and Destiny. And it was a ball. And it worked. It worked brilliantly.
0: So. Proof of concept.
2: Proof of concept.
0: Yes. Yes. We had an absolute blast. So in the intervening time between the last time we spoke and this episode, I've picked up my tickets. It's official. We're on our way to Gamer Nation Con, Whoa. weather permitting.
1: Whoa. Yeah, weather permitting. Of course, you have to say that, right?
0: Of, I, yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll be down there on we'll be down there on Thursday. We're renting a car for the few days, so we don't have to all try to pile into Bradshaw's car. <laughs> and it'll be good. <laughs> That's awesome. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Coming down with two of my PCs. They, they were um, uh, Brett and Kimber. They were PCs in the Kickstarter campaign you did last time around, and you met them, if you remember them, <laughs> at uh, Legal Seafoods in uh, when you came up. Absolutely, I do. Yeah. Yep. So, um, by the way, um, they did officially announce it, so I can't talk about it. Uh, they are expecting. Yay! Another, yep. g- another gamer baby. Good for them. Yep. yep. Uh, they're expecting due in June. Good for them. Oh, man.
2: That's just fantastic. Oh, so by the way, GM Hooley posted up his awesome vehicle sheet um, on the D20 radio forums, and you can find it there. Um, and I'm looking at it now, and it's wicked. But Hooley, I got a request for you, bro. Can you make one for a freighter that has room for uh, a larger ship that has room for all four defense zones?
3: The huh. one,
0: this one doesn't have all four defense zones? Nope, it's got four and aft. That's it. The one I was looking at
2: had all four zones. I mean, maybe I'm looking at a different one then. That's kind of odd.
0: Might be. Because I'm looking at one right now that's got all four zones. Like the image is a Millennium Falcon, it's got port and starboard, aft and. Ah, four. Okay, I'm looking at one though with an image of an X-wing. Yeah, I think he did one for each. I think he did one for like Silhouette 3 and lower. Oh, and That's
2: awesome. Okay. The other thing this this sheet this sheet is missing um, is a space to record critical hits. You cussed. Yeah. Thank you. This is beautiful. This is beautiful, Huli.
0: Isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. I, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be printing a bunch of these and laminating them and just perfect.
2: That's just gorgeous.
0: The ten needs to be plaid though
2: because something going at speed 10 flat. is going flat
0: <laughs>
2: oh wow oh that's, but that's just me that's crazy well i hope more people can make it out to Gamernation con we only have 25 tickets remaining um so that's it and after that we're, we're we're done we won't even be able to accept walk-ups at that point no um just because well we'll be at you know fire limit capacity so <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a couple of guys asking in chat. I just put the link if you want to buy the tickets in the, I just put it in the chat. And I usually, the the store has to be open based on our business hours. So uh, I just opened the store. So it's going to be open until midnight for one more hour.
3: Great. Sweet. Excellent.
1: Of course, those of you listening live, listening later, it's not going to even matter. Just know that you have to log into the store between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Central Time.
0: Oh, that would cool. I did it while I was on my break at work, so good times. Yeah. Actually, I didn't exaggerate. Yeah, I didn't need to. I forgot. I got my ticket as part of the Kickstarter.
2: Derp, 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 derp. Blue Nova's in chat. Yes, well, we'll be doing one next year. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that could be swell. Um, considering the uh, success of this year so far, um, we may have to find a larger venue. Might <laughs> just
0: maybe. Uh, so anyway as my old acting director used to say I want bigger (laughs)
3: because
0: small gestures on stage can't be seen at the back of the theater any actor will tell you (laughs) so he would sit in the back of the theater and shout I want bigger arms raised, hands into (laughs) claws it's crazy (laughs) that's awesome It's going to be got, fun. I'm looking forward to it. My, I'm looking forward to it. My brother's looking forward to it. Brett and Kimber are looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast.
1: I can't wait. You guys, look at Geek Dad in the next few days. There's going to be an article about Eons. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Um, they, they wrote one as a Kickstarter review, and then uh, their senior editor emailed me last week to say that they have played it some more, and they're going to write about it again. So Wow. Uh, this is Jonathan Liu. You met him. Yes. Yeah. So he came by, we gave him an expansion and all that jazz.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. That game needs much more love than it's getting. It's an awesome me. game. You're telling me.
2: <laughs> all right, guys. Well, um, it is about that time, and uh, I we need to call it.
1: That's right. You're about turning a pumpkin.
2: I know. I say that every time. Phil. <laughs> yep. Yep. Rolling on midnight. All right, Gamer Nation. Good
3: night. Damn. Go Patriots! Yeah. <laughs> Ha <laughs>